guys and welcome back to Nerdstock Movies. My name is Taylor and I am excited to talk about our retrospective today. But before we do any of that, I have to introduce my two wonderful co-hosts, Tristan and Drew. Tristan, let's start with you. How are you doing returning from our holiday break? I mean, you know, it's a new year, ready to keep on keeping on, just putting out bangers and bangers of content, you know, seeing as how my my episode of my favorite movies was the most listened to episode of last year, you know, I feel like I'm I'm coming in with a with a certain responsibility to to maintain the standard of excellence that I've set so high. And I think starting off with one of the greatest movies of all time uh, this year, I think that's uh, I think it's a good way to kick things off. Well, that's a hot take to start off the new year. And we are also joined by Drew. Drew, this is not the first time you and I have spoken since the beginning of the new year. We recorded something for Clash at the Stash that we were very excited for. We can't wait for you guys to hear it. It was a great episode. And uh, yeah, man, how was your holiday break, though? Because I didn't really get to talk to you about that. Honestly, holiday break was pretty good. I wish I didn't eat so much uh, sweets, but there was a lot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, this is what the holiday, this is what after the holidays are for. You like get your gym membership and you tr- promise to go back throughout the whole year and you fail miserably. So far, I've still been going to the gym. It's been Tristan, a week. you? It's been a week. Well, here's the thing, you know, because of my medication, I've, I've gained a little weight, you know, which is, no, I'm 6'2", so I should be around 200 pounds, but, you know, because of, of the, the meds, your boy gained about 40 pounds last year, so I'm trying to maintain the shape I'm at now and not, you know, degrade. I'm not trying to get, like, Henry Cavill in this movie. But Jesus Christ, that fucking body. or Ben Affleck. Oh my oh, god, my ben god. Affleck oh my was god. the one. Like I was gonna pull the tri- see. Tristan has a running gag on this show of being just the person to point out just the physique of oh, somebody god, who fucking bodies, bro. <laughs> regardless, fucking body, bro. Of who, and who? I knew you were gonna go to Ben Affleck. Oh, gotta talk about, gotta talk. About, and, well, and also since this is the ultimate edition that we're talking about. You can see that ass too. You can see the bat cheeks. You do see the bat cheeks. I was gonna, I was gonna mention that. Thanks for taking that, Tristan. <laughs> it's like I'll always that, take the bat cheeks. But yeah, but but still, biggest surprise of the year so far is that you go to the gym because I remember I kept trying to convince you to go with me back in college, and you said, "But you know what's better, going to the gym and losing an hour or being lazy." It does sound like something I would say. And at the time, I could afford to think that way because I was a 6'2 and a solid 150 pounds. But, you know, I was a young man then. Now, the, the my biological clock's ticking. You know, I gotta, gotta pick a shape and stay with it for the rest of my days as long as I can. Yeah, for me, I don't have the issues with sweets or I don't go to the gym. I'm already just a big man. I've kind of accepted it, even though I probably should do something about it. My problem is really around this time of year, it's, you know, New Year's Eve happens. There's I'm a huge sports guy, so a lot of big-time football games happen. are happening. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of inclination to get into the beverages, so to speak. And I had quite a few beverages over the <laughs> holiday break. Been there. So <laughs> just going to leave that be. It was a great time, though. But we're back here today because you saw the title. You know the deal. Today, we're going to be talking about Batman versus Superman, Dawn it of is Justice. The, the match of the century! This is it! The, the ultimate mortal edition, ma- by the way. 
Yes, the ultimate. Just gotta, I gotta throw that in. Sorry, Drew, to interrupt you. It's it's a key difference. It is a good is forty a minutes, and all the context of the movie is in the ultimate edition. So which, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. There, as buddy. someone who has clearly watched both versions way too many times, there's so many things in the theatrical cut that they could have cut instead of yeah. everything they chose yeah. to cut in the ultimate edition that would have made the movie make sense. Yeah, we'll get there, but there's a lot of crazy shit that I'm like. That felt like it needed to be in the actual movie, and it wasn't. But here is a synopsis for Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, courtesy of IMDb. Quote, fearing that the actions of Superman are left unchecked, Batman takes on the Man of Steel, while the world wrestles with what kind of hero, of a hero it really needs, end quote. And here are some of the main cast for the film along with director and writer credits. Again, this is coming from IMDb. It was directed by Zack Snyder. It was written by Chris Terrio and David S. Goyer. Batman was created by Bob Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. And Warner Woman was created by William Moulton Marston. In terms of the cast, we have ben oh, wait, Affleck William as, William Moulton Martin and H.G. Peter. We got we that got was not mentioned in the credit. So I'm yeah, that's the thing. He never gets credit, out. just like uh, mm-hmm. Bill Finger never got credit until this movie. This was the first movie that he got. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at some trivia stuff. This was the first movie that Bill Finger actually got credited for. Oh. So, uh, and glad you pointed that out, though. Ben Affleck is Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Batman. Henry Cavill is Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman. Amy Adams returns as Lois Lane. Jesse Eisenberg is introduced as Lex Luthor, unfortunately. Uh, Diane Lane is playing Martha Kent. Why did you say that name? Jeremy Irons as Alfred. Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White. Holly Hunter as Senator Finch. And Gal Gadot as Diana Prince, a.k.a. Wonder Woman. So let's take a trip to a much simpler time back in 2013. Around this time, the MC was just starting to get into its groove, and DC was looking to get into the business of creating its own superhero cinematic universe. The studio had recently released Man of Steel, a movie that wasn't universally praised, but it seemed like a solid introduction to a DC cinematic universe. So, I I mean, I think even back then, it was, even if people didn't really enjoy Man of Steel, it was, oh, it was fine to introduce, and let's get this thing rolling. Unless you're Mark Wade. That's what kind of... Which is, you know... Unless you're who? Mark Wade. Mark Wade. Hated it. Which, you know, he writes damn good Superman, so I'll let him have it. Yeah. But again, that did seem to be the general consensus for everybody was like, yeah, let's just get this shit rolling. All right, let's get this DC universe going. But... Moving on here, instead of making several solo movies to lead up to their Avengers team-up film, DC wanted to speed up the process and decided to greenlight a Batman vs. Superman movie with Zack Snyder at the helm and Henry Cavill returning as Superman. This wasn't the first time DC thought about making a theatrical BVS movie, but we may talk about that later because it's not really important to Snyder's movie. What was important, however, is who would play the Dark Knight in Snyder's vision for the DC Universe. Many names were thrown around, including John Hamm, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and Tyler Hecklin, who actually went on to play Superman in the Arrowverse, 
and there were many fan theories about Christian Bale's Batman even returning into the fold. In the end, though, DC chose Ben Affleck to play Batman, and that decision sent people into a frenzy online, arguing over whether Affleck had the chops to pull it off. Elsewhere, Marvel was planning their own hero versus hero movie, with Captain America's Civil War pinning Iron Man and Captain America against each other. During this time, it seemed like these two movies, intentionally or not, were in an arms race to add as much to their movies as possible. DC added Lex Luthor, Wonder Woman, and several Justice League casting announcements. Marvel kept adding people to their Civil War lineup, eventually even coming to terms with Sony to bring Spider-Man into the MCU. We all know how these films turned out for their respective universes. The MCU went on to find incredible success with the Infinity Saga, and although they are arguably struggling to find their footing in the Multiverse Saga, they managed to build up enough goodwill to keep people interested. DC has had several massive controversies over the years and a spotty track record with success. It seemed like the studio never really had a long-term plan outside of Snyder's vision for the DC Universe, which they never seemed all that interested in. And even if they did have a plan, studio heads never told DC fans outright. As of this episode, James Gunn and Peter Safran have been hired to take on the difficult task of fixing the DC Universe, and it appears that that fix could be some kind of reset. In all honesty, that's kind of all hearsay, though, until the duo officially reveals some of their plans later in January. But going back to Batman vs. Superman and Captain America Civil War, these two movies being in production around the same time were really, in my opinion, in my very dumb opinion, the catalyst behind where DC is today. What do you guys remember about BVS and when it was in early production? And would you agree with me about this movie being the very thing that brought us to where we are today with DC movies? I remember everything, Taylor. I remember where I was when it was announced. I remember when the first teaser was shown at San Diego Comic-Con and wasn't released to the public. Oh, so I definitely I remember watch. that. For, I remember that and Ben Affleck's announcement. I remember Very when Ben clearly. Affleck was cast. I remember reading a report saying, oh, maybe Tyler Hecklin will be Batman. You know? Yep. I remember all of it. You don't understand, okay, Taylor? You don't get what this movie was going to mean to me. The moment it was announced, I flipped my shit. When they had fucking Harry Lennox come out and read a passage from The Dark Knight Returns to announce it, oh my god, my nips were just diamond hard, okay? They could they could appear Superman skin. That's how hard my nips were. I was obsessed with this movie. And the closer it came to being released, the more obsessed I became. I shit you not. I thought about this movie at least once an hour every hour the, for the last, like, few months before it released. My freshman year of college, this movie was my entire personality waiting for it to come out, okay? It was exhausting. <laughs> I was so glad when I finally saw it because then I could go back to having an identity outside of it. Because as we talked about during my, you know, favorite movies, my favorite movie as a child, animated movie, which was really like, you know, three episodes of Superman the Animated Series, was the Batman-Superman team-up. And for so long, especially when we were, you know, younger... Warner Brothers, still stupid even back then, saying, oh, our, our heroes are never going to team up. Yo, they could stand on the road. Oh, ho, ho. 
And then they fucking put the the George Miller Justice League movie fails. I just think I'm never going to see Batman and Superman together. So I finally get it. It's finally announced. And I'm all I need to know that I'm going to love this movie is that I need to see Superman and Batman next to each other. I was foaming at the mouth for this. And guess what? I certainly see Superman and Batman standing next to each other in this movie. That did happen. It happens. That definitely did happen. And that's all I needed. Now, before I throw it to Drew, would you agree with me, though, that this movie is ultimately what led us to... Oh, yeah, 100%. There's so many... I love this movie. There's so many things I would have done differently. (laughs) Well, not only that, I'm just saying from... this, The whole reason behind the prelude I went with is because I think you can trace every misstep DC had back to fan reaction to BVS. Yeah, no, 100%. And them getting scared shit. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's so many things I would have done differently would not have ended up where we are now. Yeah. Yeah, you think Rise of Skywalker, they just went, oh shit, we gotta play it safe and just put out something. It feels like Warner Brothers went way harder into that direction of we gotta somehow fix this. How are are we gonna do it? And they just made it worse. They Yeah, they just made it worse to now we got James Gunn and Peter Safran like, well shit, how the I guess we gotta hit a reset button. I'm just so tired, Taylor. I've been so tired ever since this movie came out because, and you can ask Drew when the fan on his uh, laptop stops being super loud. Uh, I've had to defend this movie for the last eight eight years, going on better part of a decade now, and I'm just yeah, <laughs> I'm just so tired, Taylor. <laughs> well, you're gonna have to defend it one more time. I know. Uh, it's to the point where it's like, it almost is just taken away from my enjoyment of the movie. Cause it just, it exhausts me. And every time I watch it, I just think about how many fights, arguments I've had mm-hmm. with, you know, people I've, I've met on the street with friends, with women who were trying to date me, but then I didn't like their opinion on Batman v Superman. I'm like, all right, <laughs> that was the, you don't that understand was how many arguments thing. I get into about DC versus Marvel on, you know, in, in my dating history. It's a whole yeah. thing. Well, that's what it kind of felt like, though, leading up to release. And hopefully, Drew, whenever you think your audio won't be absolutely crazy, feel free to jump in. But it did feel like for that release of Civil War and BVS, it was an arms race of who can one-up the other. Yeah, it was. And I already knew whose side I was going to be on. I was a Civil War hater when it came out. I'm like, that movie Superman, better movie. You know, it's got Superman. Well, I've already talked about mine not so much liking... Captain America. Yeah, Civil but War. well, you haven't said whether or not you like this more than more than you like Civil War. It's closer than I would like it to be. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But and in that's Batman a shot Superman's to both favor, movies because it's a good movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 just it's exhausting. Love it. It's exhausting. I saw this five times in theaters. Um, I cried after seeing mm-hmm. it in theaters the first time because I was just like, finally, like I felt like such a, a relief. Um, like, then pre-ordered like you said, it. you can actually have a personality. Yeah, exactly. Outside. I pre-ordered it on uh, pre-ordered the Blu-ray when it came out. This may be the movie. I mean, aside from like movies from when I was, you know, like a, a toddler, and you know, your parents would just put on the VHS and just you know, take up your time. Um, this may be the movie I've consciously watched the most. I stopped keeping track. I think I'm. At least in the high teens, if not the mid-twenties at this point of this film. And it came out less than ten years ago. So, I've watched Batman v Superman quite a few times. Let's go ahead and get into our comic connections. Drew, what kind of comic connections can you make 
from this movie to the comics. Because one thing that has been criticized with Zack Snyder and his vision is they aren't as, the characterizations aren't fully there. And you guys have talked about, like, Man of Steel is closer to the comics than people really think it is. Is that the case for Batman vs. Superman as well? Actually, yeah, it, it it really is. It's got a lot of comic connections. Uh, the biggest one, of course, everyone knows this one because of the Batman armor, is the Dark Knight Returns. It's like that's where the suit comes from. That's technically where the Kryptonite, uh, as the ultimate way of taking down Superman, comes from. Well, there's a shot literally at the end that's from a panel in the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Where yeah, that's the one everybody talks about too. About uh, him just like perched on the wall and then using his grappling hook. Yep. It's a nice little shot. I like it. There's more. Like, we have like the Detective Comics number 33, where the pearls and how um, the gun is utilized to break the pearls. That comes from uh, Batman number 33. Uh, you know, on the millionth retelling of Batman's origin. <laughs> For Lex Luthor, technically, I think Lex Luthor Jr. is something from the comics, but I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure. You have to yeah, ask the, Tristan for the that. Lex from Infinite Crisis. The, yeah, the Alexander that. Luthor, who was trying to well, and Crisis on Infinite Earths, but he was the son of the good Lex, who was the only hero on Earth Three, which was the World of the Crime Syndicate. But also, Alexander Luthor Jr. is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in the in the 90s, Lex died of cancer because he'd been carrying around that Kryptonite ring so long. But oh, instead, man, I wasn't he, gonna bring this up. No, I'm it up. why do we have he to? He put it his up? brain into a younger clone body, <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, good eye, I'm Lex Luthor Jr. I was Lex's secret son in Australia," and he just talked in an Australian accent. <laughs> That's fantastic. And he had a, and he had a mullet. And he did have a mullet and a chin strap beard. Um, eventually, it's like, oh no, like no, that's really Lex. It, was all, it comes out that that's really Lex, and it, it made it seem like a, I can't remember what it was like. And someone had kidnapped him. So I don't know. Point being, he scampered out of it. But Lex having red hair and being Alexander Luther Jr. has presence. So maybe this Lex is the clone son of his father, who's quote unquote dead. We don't know for sure. You know, sometimes you guys talk about like these comic connections, and comics are weird. Yes, I think also oh, admit that they're really weird. You telling me that is one probably the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Nah. you guys say that's saying a lot. Nah, but just saying, fine. yeah, you know, Lex Luthor put his brain in a younger version of himself, and just randomly starts speaking in an Australian accent, like that's what he is. Is just the funniest thing I've ever heard. He's technically done something weirder and creep and creepier another time in the comics and everything. I think this was around the time he had just stopped being president and everything. You remember, Tristan, the Lobot? I don't like to think about that. <laughs> well, so Drew, continuing on, hopefully everything that you're mentioning is not connected to BVS because BVS has enough problems. I don't know. So, like, the common connections to, like, um, Quickfire in this. Uh, DC Universe Online Legends, number one. That's where the Kryptonite Spear comes from. And uh, Lex was actually the one to make it. And uh, he, in that, he actually did use it to kill Superman, so that's a whole thing. We also have uh, the Space Shuttle. I forgot where the Space Shuttle image comes from, because that's a comic image where he has where he saves the exploding space shuttle. Uh, Tristan, you remember that one? I mean, Superman saved so many exploding fucking things, man. Like, uh, 
That whole sequence, I'm like, ah, it's just Superman saving things. This is great. We need more of that, you know? That's what I want more of. Yeah, and the final two I'm going to mention is Superman Returns, because that's where Doomsday comes from. You mean the death of Superman? Oh, yeah, the death of Superman. You say Superman Returns. (laughs) Yeah, Superman Superman Returns. Did we watch the same Superman Returns? Yeah, Super, Superman Returns is uh, the the uh, movie where he does the Kryptonite continent. That's that's the wrong one. Uh, yeah, Death of Superman. That's where Doomsday comes from, and of course the Parademons. You can go from anything that has to do with Apocalypse. You'll find it. Also, got to talk about uh, KGB Anatoly Kanaev. Oh yeah, he is the KGB. I couldn't recognize him if Never I was missing the KGB. He's he. <laughs> Jim Starlin made more money from his appearance in this than he has from Thanos in the MCU or Gamora. So you know, true that. Let's go ahead and get into our retrospective today, and starting with our general thoughts, Tristan. You already kind of talked about your general thoughts. I want to kind of circle back to Drew because he was having audio issues earlier. Drew. Going back to my previous question about, like, do you think BVS was the catalyst behind where we are with DC today? Give me your answer to that, and also give me your general thoughts on Batman versus Superman. Honestly, I feel as though the entire creation of this movie is what led us here, because one, they really wanted to rush into getting that uh, MCU versus money. They wanted their old. They wanted the old. They wanted to uh, get all the way into the MCU verse to the point where this was basically the jumping off point for several superheroes that we saw and it's unfortunate because if they I feel like if they did take their time if they just allowed like two more movies for origins or just to establish superheroes that exist in the verse it would have been a lot better but there, there's no doubt the reaction to this movie from theaters when the ultimate edition came out everyone saying that oh yeah this is way better than what we got in theaters and everything and also like the rush to get to justice league right after superman's death and everything which also was a big point of contention of killing him off so early all of that pretty much like just put us into where we are uh right now with the dceu technically we could have gotten out of it several times if warner brothers just would just would stop doing the wrong things yeah, and now we're we're on a DCEU memorial tour, right? <laughs> now to where because we genuinely believe, as it stands, we kind of all three of us kind of had this feeling like, oh, it's dead. The DCEU as we know it is gone. Maybe some parts will stay, but what we're getting in BVS, what we get in Justice League, all three disagree. We're never gonna see a payoff to it, right? No. Our payoff was Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, by the way, we'll get there. Spoiler for at least my thoughts on it. I think it's a very solid payoff. But at the same time, it's just, it's a lack of vision, right? That's what I think it comes down to for me. Um, BVS, I'm going to get my thoughts real quick out of the way. And then I'll throw it over to Drew if you want to have any further thoughts or Tristan. But I thought this movie starts out so fucking good. I'm not even joking when I say it. Like, this movie starts out at, like, a 9 out of 10. As, around when we get to the middle, I start to have issues with it. And then by the end, I'm like, "Ah, you made so many wrong choices, I think. And this isn't even coming from a DC fan. This is just coming from, I don't know if I would have went that just from a pure story standpoint. And it's from stuff that Drew was talking about. Like, killing Superman off in the second movie he's in. 
Just Doomsday in general. Yeah, a little bit. Like, Dooms- yeah, Doomsday in general. Just, make, just have it be Metallo or some shit. Like, know, it's it's the marketing of this movie that we'll get to. Oh, bro, you want to talk the marketing of this movie? I remember when they put Doomsday in the fucking trailer that they showed on the Jimmy Kimmel That's show. my point. That's where I was yeah. going to get to the marketing. It's the marketing of this movie ruining parts of this movie. It's, hey, we have this entire emotional arc for Batman that makes him the villain, and it's very intriguing. But it's all kind of undercut by one characteristic that he has that we'll get into. And it's just a bunch of those little choices kind of fuck up my feelings on the movie. But there's still so much to like. Ben Affleck is awesome. Henry Cavill is awesome, apart from one scene. There's one scene that I think is the worst acting Henry Cavill's ever done. But we'll get there. Uh, And just a lot of great action sequences. Zack Snyder is amazing at visuals. He's amazing at his cinematography. We've talked about this several times before. He does such a great job at making his characters feel epic. And that's one thing that I did love about his vision of DC is Marvel did want it to be like, okay, it's a lived-in Earth. It's You want it to be somewhat relatable to real people. And that's what Marvel is trying to kind of go for. And DC kind of, Zack Snyder was like, no, these are gods among men. And we're going to treat them as such. And I thought that was a really cool idea. But again, this is the start of where somebody's vision, DC went, I don't know, we had a little bit of pushback, so fuck that, we're going to go in another direction. And it just snowballed into horrible choices. Yeah. Uh, like, general thought was that this movie is a significant upgrade from the theatrical cut. I have no idea whose decision it was. Oh, the was. theatrical version's horrible. By yeah. Way. I, just, I'm sorry. I, I enjoyed the theatrical version, but after seeing the Ultimate Edition, I'm like, no, nah, guys, come on. Yeah, the theatrical version's like a 2 out of 10. I'm sorry. The Ultimate Edition is far better. Sorry to interrupt you, Drew. I, I forgot all about the theatrical cut. <laughs> Yeah, no, no problem, man. Uh, we should all endeavor to forget about the uh, theatrical cut, in fact, and just say the Ultimate Edition was the only <laughs> thing that came out. But, uh, yeah, so, going back to what I said, the theatrical cut was just a massive turd, and I don't know who, I don't know whose decision it was to um, cut out the most important bits of the movie. I really hope it wasn't Snyder, because I really believe it's just Warner Brothers making one of their infamous terrible decisions. But why did you cut out that? There was so much in the theatrical cut you could have cut out and so much important stuff. Because I do believe that this movie could have worked in the theatrical cut if they just kept those 40 minutes and replaced the stuff that wasn't necessary or, you know, stop, stop with so many lingering shots. But that's, that's the Snyderisms. It doesn't matter because this movie, this movie's pretty good. Like, it's not a, it's not perfect, but it's still like, it's really amazing, and it does try to do. It just try to bring up important events of a lived-in world. It's like, oh, what are we going? It's like this is like should Superman be our superhero? We have Batman being his paranoid self, and he's just a broken man. I really like this movie up until a certain point. I have, to, I do have to say, when Doomsday is brought out, it's like the movie goes down for me, but. Other than that, this movie is pretty great. It brings up some interest. It brings up some interesting points of superheroes that is like it's it's old hat for us comic readers like me and Tristan, but it's like something that I believe the mass public uh, would not have thought about for superheroes. These and normies out here, these these philistines. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so sorry, people. God, 
Ben Affleck, he's been in a lot of good stuff, but it's just something about him being Batman that's just so satisfying and so fun to watch as well. Even if it's like, this is not a Batman who uh, you want to root for, considering that his goal is to kill Superman. I think you root for him until a certain point. The movie pulls a heel turn with Batman. Yeah, it's like the he's... midway point. Yeah, it's more like he wants a deterrent. Like, it's his Tower of Babel situation. He wants to have a way of taking down someone but for, yeah. but it's like this and then is around more... the middle you realize oh it's not just a deterrent oh he's gone off the deep end okay yeah and i really and i really think that is one piece that should have been a little bit more spelled out of, of why he is like that in the movie considering that this is batman and zach kept going on interview saying like oh he doesn't kill anyone in the movie i'm like bs it's like zach i like this movie <laughs> he killed at he least killed a lot of people, people. there are he several homicides do you remember the scene in batman 89 where michael keaton like i think he straps like a somebody dynamite or a grenade. that's in batman returns yeah. yeah he straps dynamite to a guy's face and smiles yeah or not his face he straps dynamite to his stomach and smiles at his face and pushes him down a manhole <laughs> yes and i think of that scene and i'm like yeah that was kind of psychotic but that doesn't even come close to the amount of just brutal murder yeah it comes Netflix a little close when you combine that and the the first movie because at least at least Ben Affleck, I mean, he didn't smile when he's strapping a bomb to a human being. Fair point. But uh, I wasn't one of the people who was super complaining that Batman killed. It was more of the fact that Zack Snyder's trying to act like Batman didn't kill. See, I we'll get to like the issue. The issue with me, or the issue with Batman killing in this movie, isn't necessarily that I just don't think Batman should kill. It's that I think it just fundamentally destroys the character. That Zack Snyder, I think, was trying to write, but we'll get there. That um, undercuts his argument for sure. Yeah, it just eclipses any argument Batman has in his motivation to me, and we'll get to that point here in a few minutes. But I really want to get the Tristan's thoughts real quick. Yeah, I have an interesting take on that point, but uh, yeah, let's mm-hmm. see your Tristan because you know he fought. He he's fought the wars. he's the fan of this movie. <laughs> I'm a fan of this movie. <laughs> I have I have burned bridges for this movie. <laughs> it's he might burn a few more. This might be his last episode. It might. It Who's might. To say? Who's we'll see what happens. Um, this is this is this is a picture. You know, this is definitely a film <laughs> that I have seen. See, I respect I respect that, Tristan. See, because you could sit here and you could be going, dude. This movie's great and you're just talking it up and i'm just like you're just bullshit no i do I, love it's... how you started off by going this is a picture i know it's not fundamentally good but i like it but here's the place. thing i don't think it's fundamentally bad either like i personally love it but if i'm like trying to score it objectively i give it like a like a c plus like it's passing like it, there are there some things structurally i'm like you need this what are we doing? I here? think this is a hot take, but in terms of especially this kind of stuff, we're talking about movies, television, games, what I don't think there's much objectively to yeah, talk about. That's true. Like it's all subjective. It's all subjective. But you know what I mean? If I'm trying yeah. to look at it like unbiased outside of my just mm-hmm. all I, like I said, I was gonna be pleased. Would a random just person seeing, like this movie. Exactly. I told you I was gonna be pleased whether if I just saw Superman and Batman next to each other. That was the standard I was going in with, and I got that, so clearly I'm blown away. But I mean, just as someone who enjoys movies and likes stories, like looking at it from that perspective, are there things in here that I'm not crazy about that I would have done differently? Yeah, 100%. But 
I also never thought this movie would exist. So, you know, I'm incredibly biased. Uh, no, I, I love this movie. It's, it's real dumb in parts. Uh, and a lot of it, a lot of my love for it and just even understanding, even being a fan of it before the Ultimate Edition came out was literally me just connecting dots of like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense. Like doing the work for the movie and then the Ultimate Edition like validating that. Like at the beginning, uh, in the theatrical cut, they don't go into as much detail about why everyone thinks Superman killed those people. And I only noticed like, oh, I bet they set those guys on fire to make it look like it's heat vision just because in one frame in the background, oh, there people were smoking and on fire, even though they don't show them using the flamethrower. Or, oh, why didn't Superman stop the bomb? It's like, well, I bet the bomb was encased in lead, you know, and that's why you couldn't see it. And then they do that in the Ultimate Edition. So I'm like, oh, okay, great. So this movie just validates, the Ultimate Edition just validates my my headcanon of the, the theatrical cut. But a movie shouldn't have to do that <laughs> to be good. Like, I love the Ultimate Edition, but we shouldn't need a director's cut for a movie to be, like, passable in this day and age. Uh, so, you know, I love it. I'll keep fighting. I'll keep I'll keep dying on this hill, you know, that it's not a bad movie, you know, until, uh, at least until we get a, a DC reboot that I don't have to keep, you know, digging into for. I've come to bargain. <laughs> if I could turn Warner back Brothers, time, if I've I could find a way, I'd take back all the words <laughs> that hurt Zack Snyder, and maybe he'd stay. Um, no, I would have gone back and be like, Zack, please don't do this. Like, just make a couple changes here, man. This is just, you don't know what we're doing. You don't know what you're unleashing, Zachary. Like, this is just not. <laughs> we're going to, no matter sake. what, I feel like somebody lists, I feel the DC Snyder thing, I think it's gotten too out of control. No matter what, I feel like people are going to listen to an episode about BVS, no matter who it comes from, and be pissed off at something. See, at this point, it's like, I don't, I don't give a damn anymore. I wasn't excited about the Snyderverse in the first place. And Justice, Justice League, the Snyder cut, was a really great spectacle. But my second time going around, it's like, I noticed the problems. And it's like, yeah, Zack Snyderisms are... I see where the Zack Snyderisms were. And even then... I do not believe Warner Brothers would have approved of a four-hour movie, regardless. So it's like I don't know where, how far the four hours. It didn't. Yeah, it could have been two and a half. We don't. We don't need the the Icelandic women sniffing sweaters. It was so funny though. (laughs) It was really funny. It was really funny. (laughs) It's like that. That's a new way of showing her thirst. Oh my god. I'm living for that moment where we're talking about the Snyder Cut and we get to that scene. Just give it a and fucking we're just whiff, going bro. to we're going to <laughs> tear it to shreds respectfully. And I cannot wait for that moment. But let's go ahead and move on to our next segment then. And that's to me standout performances. Uh for me, that is Ben Affleck at the very top of this list. One hundred percent, yes. I remember when everyone was like, Oh, he's gonna be terrible. I remember when he got cast and I was like, Oh, He's going to be good. Easily best part of this movie. Well, he's going to be good. The funniest thing about this is, before he was cast, there were rumors of him directing the Justice League movie. And someone in the article, like, whoever wrote the article, like, oh, well, Ben Affleck seems to only direct movies he stars in. And I remember I was on the phone with my best friend, and we were like, damn, Ben Affleck directing Justice League? Who could he be? And we were both like, might be a solid Batman. And then, lo and behold, he's cast as Batman. I was like, no! You're going to cast fucking Jersey Girl and Geely? Oh, you don't see him in Daredevil? Oh, he sucks. And I'm like, you guys are fucking stupid. Just give it a second. And and look at that. He fucking crushes it. Y'all get the fuck out of my fucking face. 
Yep. Easily, to me, Ben Affleck's the best performer in this movie. Henry Cavill does a really good job as well. Gal Gadot, for the time she has, does a great job. Again, she's in it for like 10 minutes, so she doesn't get a whole lot to do. I remember there being a lot of praise for her performance. And it's it comes down also to the fight scene with Doomsday. As bad as the Doomsday stuff is, it's stuff like, I think it was improvised. Like, the smile she has while in the fight. Mm-hmm. Everybody was like, fuck yeah. Like, that is some warrior level shit right there. That's what I want to see out of Wonder Woman. And that's the kind of stuff people were pumped for coming out of this movie. So it was really cool. Jeremy Irons, I remember him getting a lot of praise. And not so much for Henry Cavill. And that's understandable. Because he barely gets any fucking lines yes. <laughs> outside the Ultimate the Edition. The Ultimate Edition. Ultimate Edition, he does better. Man of Steel, still, I think he's far better in that movie. This is not a fault to his acting ability. It's just, I think he doesn't get really much to do that's very good in this movie. And that's unfortunate. But overall, performances aren't the issue at all. It's definitely writing for me. How about you guys? Yes. Yeah, that's the the writing is. There's some things in here I am not crazy about. You know, his performance. Oh, I take it back. I'm I sorry. I forgot one performance. Jesse, Asper. we'll get to Jesse. Love Asper. Jesse. I, Jesse Asper's a good Lex Luthor. Y'all can shut the fuck up. I'll. I'll. This is the hill I'll fucking be on. He does mm, a bit too much, but that's a standout performance for me. We'll get to Eisenberg, but Eisenberg is the reason to me. I think this movie falls apart. It's not. I'm not blaming it all on him, but I'm just saying. I think if we have a I would rather they went older and more experienced actor to where he can just pull off that, you know, Gene Hatman kind of performance. And if they went that direction, I think a lot of the flaws this movie has could have been forgiven by a great Lex Luthor performance because of how strong it needed to be. And Lex Luthor pulls off more of a Riddler performance than Lex Luthor. He does feel more like a Riddler. And I think, like, the biggest thing for me with with Jesse is just that I could never feel like you would ever, ever be able to get the uh, upper hand on someone. It's like with Lex Lex Luthor, it's like all of the good Lex Luthor actors, you have a feeling that they could get the upper hand on a god. With him, I'm like, you got lucky. (laughs) It's like, and it's like the writing goes against that, but it's like the performance that I get, it's like, nah, you got supremely lucky. Also, I feel as if some things people should have noticed outright weren't noticed but that's the problem with the writing not jesse but it's still it's like jesse doesn't help my situation for me he i still think jesse eisenberg's like, incredibly talented yeah he's, he's it's still just really miscast good. to me it's like honestly like some people say he should have been a joker some people say he should have been a riddler honestly it's like i think he could honestly i prefer him as toy man because i feel like that would be perfect for him but i just don't <laughs> i just can't feel that as ne- I just can't feel him as Lex Luthor. That's my only Could problem. you imagine if Jesse Eisenberg played Toy Man in this movie and he was the main villain? God, that'd be <laughs> hilarious, wouldn't it? I mean, Toy Man's a great villain, so, you know. I know, yeah. but could you imagine marketing that to the general audience, being like, it's Batman versus Superman. Versus Toy Or who's Man. the main villain? Like, Joker, Lex Luthor? It's Toy Man. Hey, who? you... Hey, you never know. It's like um, nobody knew who Obadiah Sane was before the first Iron Man movie, and he's one of the standouts. Tony! Fair point. But other, I I talked enough about standout performances. Anything you guys want to say about the performances in this movie before we get into other things? Try to think think of something funny to say, but I can't. uh, The guy who played Jimmy Olsen for a second, he was all right. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, what Jimmy Olsen in quotations. Yeah, I don't think it was really Jimmy Olsen. Uh, he's isn't he credited as Jimmy Olsen in the credits? Yeah, but I that was an that was an alias. I think it was yeah, I think it was just supposed to be a CIA alias kind of thing. They probably just used the I, name I of an that, actual photographer to like you know mm-hmm. draw off suspicion, but then it's like, oh okay, no, it's just a fucking it's a fucking guy. Anyway, uh what's ne- what's next, Taylor? Are we going into uh are we going into full breakdown? Oh, we're going to full breakdown. We're going with what I would consider to be the best part of this entire movie, and that is the introduction. Now we do get to see the Waynes get murdered again. That's not That's my a cool it's one aspect. of the coolest Wayne murders though. It is. It I, I could have done without the I could have done without the slow mo. Ah uh, slow-mo. Nah, it, we were, the slow mo really needed to uh stop. And it's like and it and it really is like one of those one of those things where it's like you like I like slow mo. It was way overdone when this movie was coming out, though. And Zach, Zach abuses it. He, I'll tell you what, Zach Snyder loves him some slow mo. I respect it. No, it's we like wouldn't have Thor the and Dutch angles. The original Thor and Dutch angles have nothing oh on Zach Snyder and slow mo. <laughs> don't don't even get me started on those fucking Dutch angles. But getting past the Wayne murders. It's still, it's a really good scene, but then we get to see the Metropolis fight from Bruce Wayne's point of view, which is fucking phenomenal. Real cool. I love how they took the thing that we talked about, too, in the Man of Steel retrospective, how we kind of, the big criticism behind that is why couldn't Superman stop it, and we kind of defended it, I think, going like, well, re-watching the movie, it kind of seems like Superman, every time he would kind of try a little bit, he'd get thrown right back into the heat of the fight. So it just, it never worked out, but you still see it just from the civilian point of view and seeing Bruce Wayne run into the fucking smoke, he's saving people. And you're just like, this shit is going wild. Only issue I have with it. And I'm going to go like, this is a masterclass of the scene to me, like masterclass of introduction, 10 out of 10. Only nitpick I have is he calls this guy, Jack. He's like, you got to get everybody out now, which they weren't doing. And then he turns around and notices, oh, fuck. Yeah, that part's weird. I'm like, right I, don't, I don't know what like, we're, <laughs> I don't know what we're trying to, trying to like, what state were you here. doing? I know, <laughs> what right? were you doing beforehand? <laughs> other than that, other than that one issue, I loved everything about See, it. See, yeah, that's, that's the thing with this movie. There are a lot of things I like, but there are moments like, I don't. I don't. I don't know what we're supposed to be doing. Other than that one, it's a nitpick. I don't really even really not the movie for it. It's just one of those things. I'm like, why did you not notice that before? It's very obvious. And uh, yeah, the part where Jack hangs up on him, or the cell signal goes out, and he's praying right before the building gets crashed. It's just really sad. Then you see Bruce Wayne just yelling, "Go into the smoke, save all kids." All that's great. What do you guys think of this introduction? It's a good introduction. It's just, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why Jack was just fucking hanging out, ignoring the end of the world, you know, two blocks away. Uh, but Did you not hear the a million death cries of people? Yeah, I was about to say, there's a shitload the of screams. You know, there's, there's. Hey, Jack isn't the only one that I'm blaming for this. I'm blaming the entire Wayne Enterprises building. I'm, you They're know what? I'm blaming Wayne Enterprises in general because what are their safety? procedures shouldn't they have like one of those exit emergency center like in case of emergency get the fuck out we don't see the entire room but i'm pretty sure they would have them bruce doesn't seem like the person to skimp on that right but 
But I do get, but it's like, yeah, I'm with Taylor. It's like, what the hell? Why are you guys not leaving? Even if you did not see the giant thing that's directly in your window view, you still should have heard something going on. This thing is a pulse, that's is a gravity loud. pulse machine. It's loud. It breaks it glass. Going, oh. I mean, props to the work ethic, though, but at the same time, hey, that's how, millions, hey, people. that's how Wayne Enterprises stays on top, Taylor. It's it's why Bruce Wayne has all the best tech. It's like he treats the, he treats them well, and they give good tech. This is the reason why uh, Bruce doesn't have a Tony Stark situation. <laughs> what did you guys think about this intro, though? Other than that one little part, really good scene. Again, I think it's a ten out of ten. My one confusion besides the building thing is, I kind of figure Bruce would be in his Batman getup going in. That's the one thing I kind of wondered. It's like. Wouldn't he have, like, an emergency bat suit so he can, like, immediately be Batman and start trying to save people or whatever? Like, I don't think he could have done anything, but I just feel like this would have been a moment where he was Batman. I do like him being Bruce Wayne and the broken Wayne sign showing how Bruce is broken and all that stuff. It's like, it's good symbolism. But it's like, I did, that was the one thing I wondered about. Why aren't you changing into Batman right now? Oh, actually, you know what? Well, I have my own neck, but let me respond to that first. A, because it's daytime, and his Batman's still supposed to be somewhat of an urban myth. Okay. So there you go. Uh, but B, my nitpick, Bruce Wayne is wearing different socks when he gets off the helicopter than when he is when he's holding the little girl at the end. Of course she would recognize the socks. My mom pointed it out to me, actually, the first time she watched. I'm like, holy shit, you're fucking right. Again, we're not knocking the movie for those nitpicks. It's just something we want to point out. And what is otherwise a fantastic scene? It's yeah. just badassery. Badassery, some might even say. Ooh, I see what you did there. Moving on from that, again, this is it. what Drew said. It kind of just shows the final straw. And what already we'll see is a near-broken Batman. And that just completely puts him over the edge. And we'll see later on in the movie when he goes full on heel. But we then go over to a scene in the desert with what I don't really remember the storyline going on there, but I think it was like some terrorists and Lois Lane was. Lois was interviewing an, an, an insurgent slash yeah, a warlord potential. Yeah, warlord potential dictator. Yeah. And they then introduced Jimmy Olsen, who is either actually Jimmy Olsen and Zack Snyder killed off Jimmy Olsen in the first 10 minutes, or is a plant from the CIA who is just going by that alias. Uh, Jimmy Olsen gets found out, and they shoot him, and it's a whole thing to where then the some other soldiers kill the insurgents, and then it's, it's very confusing. And then Superman comes down, kills the main dude. He doesn't kill him. He doesn't kill him. kill him. He does not kill him. He just slams him through Puts him wall. in traction. Maybe, but he doesn't kill him. I don't think he kills him. Because he also could have just, like, maybe he's grabbing the dude with the left arm and busting through the wall with the right arm, you know? He's not dead. He's not dead. Yeah, like, we, and we're we're even told outright that guy isn't dead. Uh, But it's like... Okay, okay, well, I'll retract my statement. Batman kills a lot of people. Superman, he didn't kill anybody. He only killed Zod. I'll retract my it. statement for that one, okay? I'll, I will do it. Besides the point, though, what did you think of this whole sequence? To me, I think this is the start of just the very convoluted for no real reason plan that Lex Luthor has to discredit Superman. And I just think you could have went about it so many different ways that were would have been so much better 
not only in terms of writing, but in terms of, hey, how about if we're framing Superman, how about we not have soldiers just shoot the Yeah, that's the thing. And burn them? <laughs> I, I like this. <laughs> I like the scene. I like Lex's plan. Anyone just checking the body for bullet holes might have been like, huh, I don't like Superman kill these guys, guys. And bu- and bullets stay in people, and bullets stay in people, and especially if you burn them, they're gonna be in there. How did no one in forensics notice this? Well, that th- there's the question: How many forensics teams are going over there, though? They're just like, oh, burn bodies. Superman was here. I guess he did it. Like if you had, and this is going back to what we'll later see with the reveal of Doomsday. If Lex created Doomsday earlier, or we had a Metallo reveal, or a Bizarro reveal, or something later on, and it was revealed that he was the one who was killing all these people. I think it would make the plan make a lot more sense, because those villains could do damage like a Superman can, but, I don't know, it's just, it's the start of what I consider to be just an overly convoluted plan. It's up there with Zemo's and Civil War, but they're both kind of dumb, in my personal opinion, but... Overall, this scene, it is what it is. I'm glad that it, it's actually explained in the Ultimate Edition. So I'll give credit there that this entire storyline is tied up in a nice little bow. And Lois does get something to do. Yeah. So that's nice. In the theatrical yeah. version, she just she almost kills herself, basically. Which is just, it makes her look really dumb. I'm sorry, in the theatrical version. Because <laughs> that's really all she does. Yeah. So at least in the Ultimate Edition, she has something worthwhile to do. But at the, of, at the end of the day, eh, for me. My only problem was the one Tristan brought up. It's like the it's like the bullets and like the flamethrowers. And even if like they say like, oh, how many forensics teams? It's like they the U.S. seems to be invested in this. I'm pretty sure they would send a few forensics teams to make sure. But uh, you are right, uh, Taylor. The plan is convoluted. I've I give a little leeway to Zemo because he doesn't seem. Because originally, oh, originally, I need to say originally because he, it's changed that he is rich in the, uh, in the, the phase four. But originally, mm-hmm. it seemed like he wasn't just a rich guy. He was just a guy who had some connections to Hydra, but at the end of the day, he was just a family man. And he's trying to get revenge, so he has to have a convol- convoluted plan to, like, in order to take down the Avengers and everything. Whereas, uh, Lex, he, it's like he's fucking rich it's like he's rich he's intelligent like super intelligent if we're going by uh if we're if we're going by um the super the logic of him being able to override kryptonian technology and stuff uh but it's like this feels a little bit complicated lex i feel as though you've really added extra steps and a lot of ways you could be caught but what is it's neither here nor there because I still do like this scene, and especially uh, with uh, Lex being a master planner, at least his setup game is pretty awesome. I only wish they didn't spend so long with revealing Jimmy's tracker. That did feel like, okay, Zach, you're just really, really wasting time with There's that. There's a couple things in this where, like, alright, we're lingering on this too long. The other thing is the granny's peach tea, but you know, we'll get to that yep. later. Tristan, thoughts? Oh, I thought I already said my thoughts. I like this. It's just like, you know what? Guys should have checked that Superman, you know, didn't shoot these people. <laughs> like, it's, it's Still, cool. Still cool scene. Still oh, cool scene! I do like, yeah, I do like that Lois goes limp so she doesn't get uh, pulled with the uh, 
with the terrorist guy. That bar is that cool. Is when when nice she like they just look at each other, she's like, "Oh, he's about to fuck this guy up." And you're like, "Yeah, he is about to fuck this guy up, Superman." Yeah, that part is cool. Um, I will say, in terms of just comparing the two, it's kind of hard not to compare Captain America: Civil War to this movie because of everything I said back in the prelude, and also both movies, just in terms of yeah, the hero versus hero. One's better than the released. other. Though. Yeah, and depending on who you are. You know what that is. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> bad movie, the one thing I'll say in Zemo's benefit is Zemo's motivations are so much better to me mm. than Lex Luthor's. I will talk about Lex Luthor's motivations and just, I still don't understand them fully other than my baseline understanding of Lex Luthor doesn't like Superman. That's all you and, need to know. <laughs> well, it's like, I feel like, I feel like there is a, I feel like there is a good reason like I, I understand Lex's motivations and we'll get into that, but I do understand why some people would go out of the movie and say like, so he just dislikes Superman. Is that it? It's, it's really, it's like, there's more to it than that, but it's like, we'll get into that. But since we're kind of on the topic of Lois Lane's story, how did you feel about her arc overall? I kind of got all my thoughts out there. So I'm gonna let you guys talk about this. It's nice, but it's purely for the audience. I think well, I think with this, with the Ultimate Edition, and it goes with what we were saying about how Clark barely has anything to do in the uh, theatrical version. Like this, the Ultimate Edition gives both of them actually like journalism shit to do. It's like oh, they're yeah. both investigating. Like Clark's investigating Batman. She's investigating, you know, like especially with the the Capitol bombing at the end. Like she figures out oh no, like he didn't you know expect to die like he just went grocery shopping i was like oh that's a cool little you know that's a cool little moment like in general i think both of their storylines are much more fleshed out in the ultimate edition and the movie is stronger for it yeah it's like i like it's like i like i like lois as a as a character in the movie but i do feel like her storyline is more for the audience and to explain things to us uh because and it's not it's like it's not a bad thing because it's like we want to know what she's doing through all this but when it comes down to it you really could take a lot of her a lot of her um her small storylines out movie would movie would not change except for her like getting kidnapped and stuff uh and like all we and it's like she only reveals a few things to the audience like oh the lead is in the wheelchair and everything and it's like, hey, the bullet is from LexCorp, which you already know it's from LexCorp because you see, you'll like literally see the Lex talking to them or like them delivering stuff to Lex later on. So it's like, eh, I do love Lois, though. It's like she's she's awesome. And this is like, I think she's like my second favorite live action Lois Lane. I kind of got to disagree with that just because you're kind of right when it comes to she's just around to be the person revealing things to the audience. But not only is that necessary for this movie and should have been in the fucking movie and not relegated to an ultimate edition, but I feel like if you didn't have that, it kind of undercuts more of Lex's convoluted plan. Even though I'm going to shit on it in this retrospective, it could have been worse. And if I just saw the theatrical version, I would have shat on it more. Because it was even worse in the theatrical version. Oh, Because yeah. none of it was really explained. So, I, you really need everything that she does in this movie. Really more than, I would say, Clark. And I, don't get me wrong, I'm very glad we got Clark in this movie. More than ten lines. But, <laughs> I think in terms of importance, yeah, I, Lois plays a very big part here. But getting into Clark's two storylines in this movie, 
He didn't really have one in the theatrical version. Uh, Clark was investigating the Batman terrorizing Gotham City, and he was also wrestling with the public's perception of him and whether he should even respond. I find that second one so intriguing, especially after I've talked to both of you on air, off air, about I've watched Superman vs. the Elite and how much I fucking love that movie. And this movie gave me vibes that we can eventually go down that road, even though we never will. We could, though. In this movie, we're really rebooting just, Superman. We could. Yeah. Yeah. But they're going through with a younger version kind of makes me seem like they're not going to do that. But besides the point, um, it's still there's some things that are off about this storyline to me that I'm wondering what you guys think of it. But the first storyline he has about just investigating the Batman and learning about the branding and all that, I thought that was really good. And him sitting there and going, he's being manipulated by Lex Luthor. He doesn't know that Batman doesn't know that these people he's branding are getting killed and shit like that. So he's just like, this guy is criminally insane. Like, he's got to be fucking stopped. He's killing these people, basically. And I really like that part of the story. I like Perry White pretty much telling him no every single (laughs) scene they had together because Lawrence Fishburne is fucking awesome in everything he's in. And he's utterly hilarious. That man so, does not know. Oh, that was great. Mm-hmm. No, he does not. But what do you guys think of his two storylines in this movie? I like both of them. I like that they're both actually present <laughs> in the ultimate edition. I mean, I feel like the Again, he doesn't have one. In the- yeah, he just he's kind of just there. He just kind of walks around and waits for Batman to punch him in the face. I think he has less than 40 lines or something in the theatrical cut. Um but no, I I really like Clark's storyline in this. I'm my one bit that I'm not crazy about is towards the end when he's like, "Oh, no one stays good in this world." I'm like, mm, "That's not very Superman." But like, you know, I uh, thought the same fucking thing. <laughs> but like the montage of him saving people is great. Like the him worrying about whether or not he should respond when you see during the montage you got all these people arguing about what his existence even means. And I love the line where the dude's like, you know, maybe he's not this Jesus or devil character. Maybe he's just a guy who's trying to do the right thing. And I'm like, see, yes, Zack Snyder's sometimes. I'm like, you fucking get it, bro. You fucking get it. And then there's other and times I'm like, all right, Superman be a Jesus a allegory. Yeah. And it kind of just goes, oh, nope, maybe you don't. I was like, no, okay, little heart, little heavy handed with the with the Jesus stuff. But, you know, it, it it's, it's there. But no, I, I think Clark's storylines are one of the most underappreciated aspects of this movie. I will say that because everyone acts like Henry Cavill never gets to do anything. He's like, Oh, I mean, he didn't get to do enough. That's for like, Oh, he never smiles. He's just, there brooding all the time. He's just so angry. He's not really like in this, he's kind of like sad and stressed out, but based on the events of the movie, I too would be sad and stressed out. Like he acts pretty rational in this, at least in my opinion. So, the problem I have with Clark's whole thing with the public perception, I do love that his initial motivation is like, I just want to do what him and his dad kind of have similar kind of thought processes when it comes to just going to keep it simple. We're just going to save people. That's what he would do. That's what I'm going to do. That being said, we saw Men of Steel. I'm not sure that version. Yeah, I'm like, oh, no, that, can't. that's right. Yeah, that, yeah it's, like, uh, it's like, what am I supposed to do? Let him die? Maybe. Oh, yeah, maybe. It's like this movie tries to correct that, I guess, but at the same time I can't get over that line Drew just said. Uh but at the same time, getting all that out the way, I love a lot of that. 
I love a lot of the, like, I'm just struggling, like, should I even respond to these people? Should I just keep being simple and doing what I'm doing, saving people, all that stuff? But I still feel like, again, this is after seeing something like All-Star Superman and Superman vs. the Elite, and seeing just a sure-of-himself Superman. His, he doesn't really need to go through a definite character arc, and I don't think he should have for this movie, considering we have, what, Batman going off the rails, we got Wonder Woman being introduced, we got the introduction to Lex Luthor, we got Lex Luthor having an overcomplicated plan, Lex Luthor then going and creating Doomsday, Doomsday killing Superman, there's a nightmare sequence in between, by the way, all the Justice League characters get cameos and weird, like, I guess they created graphics for each of the characters too. But all that stuff is in this movie. Why give Superman a whole story like that? A whole arc to go through of I want to help these people. And that would be fine, I think, if the world also reacted to it or we got to see the reaction. But we don't. We just had the world going, fuck you, Superman, and then he dies and they're all like, oh, shit, we're sad. Yeah, it feels. <laughs> it definitely feels like, especially... Especially with the one eight, with the one eighty that we'll get in uh, the Justice League, both of them technically. With uh, it, it's weird that uh, Superman being like the people's hope and everything is brought up when it's like now nah, the people don't seem to give shit about him. It's like it seems like they all they want is like either he's controlled or he's got to be let down. It seems like only the people he saves sees him as a beacon of hope, and even then, only a few. Uh, and it's like he seems more of a controversial figure, which is like I get it because his introduction was literally, oh, Zod is here to like destroy the world and stuff. But it's like at the end of the day, it's like I'm not, I'm not sure with how some of this stuff happens. But I love Clark's character. It's like him mm-hmm. deciding to investigate the Batman because he thinks it's wrong that Batman gets to decide who lives or dies. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. I like. I like that. Uh, I do like. There is one thing I question because it's like with the bat branding and everything, it's like, one, why does Batman brand them? I don't know where I heard this. The Batman was supposed to mark uh people who like were killers, like they killed a bunch of innocents and some of them children. And so because they were child murderers and everything, they would be targeted and killed. Not sure where I heard that from. I don't know if it was one of uh the, the Snyder interviews or if it was just from something else but in the ultimate edition it's revealed that lex is just having them killed still want to know what the brand means like even if batman is unhinged i don't see a reason for marking someone at all so uh but yeah the uh, clark's storylines are pretty good the only other problem i have with it is ghost dad which oh i need an explanation for ghost see so much the ghost dad thing i'm like you know what i watched enough smallville Clark just be talking to his ghost dad sometimes. I don't know, man. <laughs> like the number of times but in Smallville. But those dads are mostly a connection, are mostly a creation from either Kryptonian technology or it's Clark literally creating a vi- literally creating a vision for himself. And even that last one was technically induced by magic. So, bro, season ten of Smallville, episode one, his dad just fucking fixing the fence, just like he is in this. And he's like, "Oh, dad, I don't know if I'm the man you raised me to be." He's like, "No, Clark, you, you are the- so much more." And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> he just fucking he sees his ghost dad." That I that I was like, you know, it's fucking dumb, but that's Superman. That I give a pass to the same way, and it, it, it is very dumb. I'm aware of this. Yeah, Batman freaking out over the name Martha. I'm like, you know what? Superman sees his dead ghost dad. Batman's one weakness is crippling flashbacks of his parents. Like, these are just things that go with the characters, and I've just come to accept <laughs> it in whatever medium. I just don't question see, it. See, I see it as 
it's Kevin Costner. And I think Warner Brothers just saw that as, hey, Zach, you got to get Kevin Costner back. We got a big name actor to play podcast. Why'd you kill him off? Uh, what You know what? Just, we don't care how you do it. Just bring him back for at least the same. You got to get our money's worth out of it. We met up, we met up Kansas and live on a pancake and, uh, and all that jazz. I'm like, all right, cool, great. Your Kevin cool. Costner impression isn't the worst. I'll say that. <laughs> I told you, I've watched this movie a lot. It's a little bit of raspiness. He like, was well. That's the thing. He's weirdly raspy. You will have one. it. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't raspy in the first. He's in not raspy. Field, but he's, he's not raspy in, in the five seconds of audio they bring him back for in Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's newly recorded. It's just for some reason this. He's just talking like this. I'm like, what are you doing, Kevin? What are you doing? Did you forget what character? Also, he has a goatee. Did you grow a ghost goatee? A ghost tee, if you will. See, small tangent, and then we can get right back into Clark's story. I have been, because my family members have been watching it, and I was like, fuck it, I'll watch it. I started watching Yellowstone. And I've noticed, like, over the seasons, like, Kevin Costner's voice, you can tell, like, this poor man's getting older. He's still putting out great performances, but it is getting raspier and raspier. It sounds like he smokes seven packs a day. He is getting close to playing Batman. One hundred percent, like Christian I was, Bale. Like, Batman. I will be down. Like this man yeah. is asking you, where are the other drugs going? Or he give, or he give me um, Flashpoint Batman. And I say this in the best way. Like I kind of would want to see that for at least a one, <laughs> just to see how great it would be, or how bad, depending on the material that he's given. But besides the point, getting back to Clark's storyline, um, yeah, it's just to me. I can, I hope I illustrated my point kind of right with I think with everything going on in this movie I think having Clark instead of having this should I respond to them should I be that beacon of hope I think it would have been far better if you just had him be no I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing I'm gonna be that beacon of hope for people and people will eventually see that and have him be like the constant throughout everybody else you know what I mean Mm -hmm. That's what I was trying to go with. I think if you had that, a lot of the issues this movie has, which is has a lot of like moving parts, I think that's the problem this movie really has more than anything. So many moving parts. Having that one concept of Clark being, nope, I'm doing the right thing no matter what is in front of me. Well, um, I think would have been a great part. Well, initially the plan for the whole Snyderverse was that Superman would lose Lois and succumb to the anti-life equation and everything. So Zack wanted him to have a a realistic fall so it's like a whole a whole thing where he can't be the person with the willpower to keep being that to keep being that person because he has to fall in the end it's it's a whole thing but um i do agree i it's like that's 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 a classic superman storyline him doubting whether he should be like the he should um respond to people if he should do the right thing or not and then, like, eventually overcoming and being Superman. And it's one, of, it's one of the reasons why I love Smallville. All ten seasons of it. It's like, you see a Clark struggling with himself and you eventually and he eventually comes to be Superman. The classic Superman. And that ending scene hits me every time in Smallville. And this one, I feel as though we might have gotten that in the Snyderverse. But it's just like, this wasn't the movie where he was going to have that moment. It's like, for now, he's just... Focusing on Lois. That's the whole. Th- that's the whole reason for his speech. It's like you're my world. It's like she's who he's going to protect. What do you say? Anything else to add before we move on? Nah. I guess a few things because it's like Clark. You shouldn't have gone to a mountain. Just sit down. 
watch some TV, you know, play some video games, or better yet, watch our podcast on TNS Network called Power Up and Game. You know, we need to talk about that. Taylor, please take it away. Well, thank you for doing that, even though this ad break is a little early. I was about to say, it. hold if on. Those look, look at sort of like, this mad name math in here. If you are enjoying this show and would like to hear more from us at TNS Network, you may want to consider taking on old Gander at our video game news recap podcast called Power Up and Game. On that podcast, we run through some of the most trending stories around the gaming industry that we found interesting with a focus on the conversation over the number of topics to cover. On the latest episode of Power Up and Game, Michael Mosley and myself talked about 10 games that we think deserve to have a remake, a sequel, or a revival. The video game news industry here, it's it's been a little slow, so we're just trying to make up for it a bit. Uh, it was a really fun time, though, and there was a lot of great picks that we both had. A little overlapping, too, that I thought was funny. But uh, there's there's a lot of great games that probably should be revived that, uh, for some reason, these studios aren't doing. And on top of covering video game news, we occasionally have deep dive discussions about specific games, which are basically reviews, even though we don't like to call them that. Episodes of Power Up and Game drop every Friday night. So again, if you're looking for another video game news podcast to listen to, might want to check out Power Up and Game. Now, getting back to this incredibly dumb podcast, and we're going to be doing that by talking about Bruce Wayne's two storylines in this movie. Bruce was trying to find kryptonite and kill Superman. He disguised this and tricked Alfred by saying that there was a dirty bomb that was being hidden. On the the white Portuguese. Yep. And there was another storyline, basically, of this this inner conflict of what happened to his employees in Metropolis and probably some previous Robin trauma that never got really gone through in his psyche. And probably a lot of other things that he's never really worked through. So I find Bruce Wayne in this movie to be so fucking interesting. I love this storyline. It's only undercut by one thing and one thing only. It's all the murder. It's all the murder. All the murder <laughs> undercuts every single motivation this man has, every single argument he has, and really just any kind of sympathy. Because I don't want, I wonder, because he's killing all these people willy nilly, I go, why doesn't he just kill the Joker? Yeah, no, that's the, yeah. that's the, the big issue. Why is the Joker still around if you're going to blow up random thugs? Yeah. To where we go to the end of the movie, and we'll get to the Martha scene. How powerful it would have been if that would have been his first murder. If that would have been his first murder, if he was going with that spear and he was like, I'm going to do it. This is going to be it. I have to do this for the fate of humanity. He's gone past the fucking brink and he just can't do it. He can't become Joe Chill. Stuff like that. That would have been fantastic. But it's all undercut because he kills people throughout this entire movie. So many people. The only thing I guess I can say in defense of it is, I guess, premeditated in cold blood, Superman would have been his first. I mean, uh, I don't know. I feel like he's got enough guns on his car. He's got enough guns on his car that a lot of those murders seem premeditated. He knew he'd need them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I feel like I'm even stretching with that, just trying to kind of make up for it. But the sad part is Ben Affleck does such a great job. You can see just the history that this Batman's gotten. I, uh, you like, you can understand how this Batman got broken through Robin getting killed, through the stuff he says with Alfred. Like how many of our friends, 
uh, died along the way, how many stayed good, stuff like that. And that's all fantastic. It's just all undercut by the murders to me. What did you guys think of his storyline? Cool motive, still murder. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. First one in 2023. I'll tell you what, not going to be the last. I know, right? I was say, just looking at the list of DC movies we got to talk about, it's definitely not going to be the last. Um, you know, I I agree, Taylor. Um, that's one of my... As I to say, it's one of my issues. I mean, it is an issue with the movie, but, like, it never bothered me as much as everyone else did, as much as it did everyone else, because everyone, excuse me, is like, oh, this is just, you know, Zexer just did the Punisher, put a cape on him, whatever. I'm like, y'all how many Batmans have we watched murder? Literally every other Batman we've seen has murdered, except for, like, it's either Val Kilmer Batman or George Clooney Batman that doesn't kill people. Actually, no. George, Val Kilmer Batman kills Two-Face, so George Clooney Batman doesn't kill anybody. Every other yeah. Batman live But here's the thing, though. Commits the murders. In this version, I would agree with you 100%, but this version makes the point to go, hey, you know what? Superman's the one that's got to be stopped because he committed this atrocity. Yeah, exactly. Batman so blames like, Superman for it. And it's the moral high ground of I haven't went that far, but I have to go that far to take this guy out because I think he's going to turn on us one day. Yeah, and that would be more interesting than what we get. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying, though, is he loses all of it. If the movie didn't want to go down that route with the ideology, I wouldn't have an issue. Yeah, well, the way I interpret it is less that, like, oh, no, he's dangerous because he killed Zod, and it's more that, like, oh, he's a threat to, like, all of the planet like existing it's not that he could kill it's that he could destroy like everything i mean it, again i still agree it'd be a much stronger argument if he wasn't walking around murdering people and if him killing superman was like his first like murder that would 100 percent be more interesting that's what i've wanted since i saw the movie but you know that's not what we got um him in terms of him like being a, a fallen broken batman i again it's very interesting um Ben Affleck does a great job with the performance. It's the murders that, you know, kind of take it away. The branding stuff, I, I could have, I'm not as bothered by the branding stuff. I would have been more on board with the branding stuff if he hadn't also been murdering people directly. Yes, if he just went, if that's as far as he went, that was enough. Yeah, exactly. The show, like, oh, he's gone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But... You know, they take that one extra step. It's like, well, he didn't actually kill kill anyone. He shot the thing next to him and it blew up. I'm like, all right, that's it's still murder. Still murder. Still murder. Um, but in terms of like, oh, you know, his his trauma. I'm like, you know what? This is it's just what happens when Batman doesn't have a Robin. You know, he just never got a replacement Robin, and that's that's the that's the issue here. <laughs> yeah, because because DC for some reason keeps discounting Tim Drake. Well, I mean, in this, they discounted Dick Grayson. Apparently, this Robin was Dick Grayson. I don't like to think about that. Yeah, I I don't like that. I don't like that either. It's stupid, but, you know, whatever. Still could have got a replacement Robin, you know, Batman. Yeah, out of everything, I'm glad we didn't get in DC. I'm glad we didn't get the on-screen confirmation that that was Dick Grayson who got killed, because... I just it seems so lined up perfectly to do. Okay, so that's Jason Todd. Yeah. Okay, Joker killed Jason Todd. So we're gonna get Red Hood and the Batman solo movie. That seems like a perfect adaptation. And instead, Zack Snyder just goes, "Oh no, that's Dick Grayson." That fucks everything up, man. Why'd you do that? And I fucking every time someone tried to present the fan theory that oh Jared Leto Joker was Jason Todd, I fucking lost brain cells. I'm like y'all, Jared Leto's older than Ben Affleck. 
or at least yeah. the they're, or yeah, there's like a one year difference either way but it's like this is not yeah. like what well they're you, fucking around with the ages of actors and the characters are playing all the time like jared well, leto does i mean sure but not to the age. extent that batman and robin are the same age <laughs> Yeah, that that yeah. that I would not be able to go with. See, I could just because Ben Affleck was aged up to play Batman here. Like you can see, so want a forty-year-old Red Hood running around? No, I don't. But I can see that more than I think in other things. Like they did so much with aging Batman up, and Jared Leto typically does look younger than his age. So I could have saw. I'm definitely glad they didn't go that that route. That would have been horrible. But besides the point. I already hated this Joker. The only thing that made it, could have made it worse is made him Red Hood. You don't want no beef. Right. But yeah, uh, besides that, what do you guys think of uh, Bruce Wayne's story here? Drew, what are your thoughts? I like the idea of Batman being pushed to the, e- pushed to the edge to where he's about to commit his first murder. I wish there was a different storyline that we give a Batman. Thank God Robert Patterson's Batman didn't go down that Pattinson. road. Pattinson. Sorry. Let me just say this. Ben Affleck. Honestly, really good Batman. I was a little bit iffy on if he could play Batman, and then they said he was going to do the Dark Knight Rises Batman. I'm like, oh, then he's perfect. I do have to admit, like, some of the writing for him is just... It, it confirms my theory that, that Zach will um, change his mind in the middle of a production, and just, like... It's one of the reasons why I wasn't too keen on the Snyderverse in the first place, because it's like, I can tell... I can tell um, when he changes his mind on stuff because yeah, you can see it in some of his movies, but it, but it's like I do love what he does with with Bruce because like seeing a Batman that's just all over the edge. It seems like he has nothing left, and even Alfred, the Godfather Alfred, like just commenting, "Oh, I'm never gonna be able to see any grandchildren." It's like I am basically your dad. I want grandkids, Bruce. I want to see the Wayne lineage continue. And then, and then it's like Alfred is like, and then Alfred keeps talking to himself. Is like, you wish Alfred. Uh, that that's great. It's like Alfred makes Bruce's storyline just so much better in my eyes, which is why I need to mention him. Yeah, they have fantastic chemistry. Yeah, and it shows again just how far Bruce has went, and how much it just hurts Alfred to the point to where, as much as I have issues with the quick face turn Batman has after the whole Martha scene, I do love how. Uh, Batman just goes, you know, I don't appreciate you enough, Alfred. Like he kind of. No, no, he's like, I don't deserve oh, you. Alfred. I don't deserve you, Alfred. Yeah. And Alfred's like, I yeah. know. He's like, no, sir, yeah. you don't. <laughs> and it's that scene that I think really just brings that entire arc for both of them together to go. Yeah, you can tell the entire movie was just killing Alfred, seeing his son basically go down this path. All the good work that they did in Gotham is about to be just flushed down the toilet. So let's move on to Wonder Woman's inclusion into this story. Now, how do you guys feel about Wonder Woman in this story? I thought she was really good. I've already talked about it before. Like she has nothing really to do. She's only in it ten minutes, but it's the little parts, like the little things that Gal Gadot does in her performance. I think that really sells it, including what I think was the improvised smile. After getting hit by Doomsday and then going right back into the fight, mm-hmm. shit like that was just awesome. So that was that was a prime Wonder Woman moment right there because that is one D to that is one D to a T. It's like one D is one of the ultimate like characters that is so hard to pull off because the little details are very important for her. Where it's like she enjoys the fight, but she will choose to be a kind person over anything else. 
And Gal Gadot got that so right. And even with just the, like, the, like, I think she gets, like, 15 minutes total time, screen time. Even with that 15 minutes total, it's like, you can feel like this Wonder Woman is an amazing Wonder Woman. You can also feel like she's got... She's gone through some stuff, and the setup for her movie is, like, I like it so much. It's like, Wonder Woman is my favorite part of this movie, and it's a little biasy because I am a Wonder Woman fan. Tristan knows. I've talked about her a lot at the comic book club. It's like, I love I love Wonder Woman, so I might be a little biased, but I don't care. She's awesome in this movie. No, she's great. Like, I mean, it's, it's not being biased. Like, she is one of the, I mean, there's an argument to be made that she's a little shoehorned in. But I tell yeah. you what, it's a it's a it's a damn well fitting shoe, you know. It's a perfect fit. It's it's freshly refurbished. You got it on sale at DSW, but it's it's just like brand new. It's already nice and worn in, you know. Um, she's got she's wearing some boots, and she and you know they're made for walking, and that's they're made for beating the shit out of Doomsday is what they're made for, and she does it expertly. Um, but no, I mean she, even just in the few minutes she has here, like. I feel like she did a good job introducing the audience to like her presence as Wonder Woman. And obviously that's something that we get much more of in her solo films and in future appearances in both versions of Justice League. And if we ever see her again anywhere else, who's to say? Um, but no, I think Gal Gadot does a fantastic job as Wonder Woman in this for the limited amount of screen time she has, even when she's just, you know, reading emails. It's also just a testament to of how great she actually did and just how much of a presence this movie didn't make her to be because when she got casted, it was not a universal, like, Oh, we love this casting. It was pretty mixed all around. And for one of the universal praises coming out of this movie being Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman is great. That's awesome. What I don't really care for though is Lex Luthor. Now, Tristan, do you want to get your thoughts on Lex Luthor before... I enjoy Lex Luthor, I think. My my main issue with Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor is mainly just that, hmm, ah, like, because if you just look at the dialogue, if you look at, if you listen to what he's saying, that's some Lex Luthor-ass shit, you know? Yeah. Stupid, convoluted plot to, to discredit Superman and keep his hands clean, that's just, that's Lex, you know? It's just the, mm, ah, like, that. that's it. It's just the way he delivers some of the lines. But I think Jesse Eisenberg does a solid performance. I never got the, oh, this is Riddler, because that's not how I, you know, interpret the Riddler. Uh, I, I think he is underrated. I think he gets too much hate. I've already mentioned, like, Jesse Eisenberg just does not feel like Lex Luthor to me. I think he does a good job with what he's given. I'm not ever going to say that Jesse Eisenberg did bad in Lex Luthor role. I just can't see him as Lex Luthor. And maybe that's a me thing. But uh, a lot of other people seem to agree. I do admit that Lex Luthor is probably the, like, his motivations, as I wanted to bring this up since Taylor mentioned it before, Lex's motivations are more philosophical than they are for anything personal with Soup's. Like, normally it's like Soup's presence makes it, Lex hard, makes it harder for Lex to control the city. And other time, and other times, it's like, oh, he wants to get revenge because uh, his hair, his hair fell out because of soups, or, uh, or the fact that one of the things in Smallville is just like everyone seems to like, everyone seems to like Clark, and everyone distrusts him, 
and even like eventually his dad wants to help Clark. It's like it's just a but it's just a bunch of different stuff with Lex of how it happens. There's always a personal element though, and it makes it a little bit more interesting. There's no personal element here. It's all philosophical because Lex feels like he should he should have been saved from uh from his dad's abuse and everything. I don't and Yeah, so that's the personal here. connection. Yeah. I get everything you're saying, Drew. You're 100% right, and I feel like that's what the movie was going for, is they had that personal connection, being like, why didn't you save me? And I basically being just, to me, an edgelord kind of thing. I'm not saying this is like anybody who isn't religious or anything like that. I don't want to seem like I'm discrediting your opinion and all that stuff. It's just, it's done in such a way that's like, haha, look, I'm smart I am. And everything he's saying is just such at a baseline level. It's just I don't know. It it comes across like he's a seventeen year. Yes, old. I heard it described as like your to... basic intro to philosophy class. Yes, yeah. like that's the thing that gets me. He's so aloof at times, and then he'll have these moments of intelligence, and then he'll be shoving a jolly rancher into someone's mouth, and it's just, it's weird, and I don't care for it for Lex Luthor. But also with Lex, what I think I don't fully get is his plan is I'm going to discredit Superman make the world hate him. What's his beef with Batman? Oh, nothing. He just believes Batman is capable of killing Superman. Yeah, that's about it. He's like, you know what? Cool. This fucking guy, he'll do it. Glad y'all said that. So this man is creating Doomsday Yes. in the background. Yeah, this is where it falls apart. Also, Just in case Batman does do it. I'm sure that he has... I'm sure he has the methods, he has the technology, all the know-how to create something more powerful than a Batman. An urban legend in Gotham who's said to be smart. Even if you figure out who the Batman is and all that stuff, it is extremely weird how Lex Luthor's plan A is I'm going to go through with this long-ass plan to discredit Superman, to send Bruce Wayne over the edge to want to kill Superman, which, by the way, is completely unnecessary. Batman was going down this road whether Lex Luthor helped him or not. Lex just sped it up. I don't even think he really sped it up. He sped it up probably like two months. Like This was happening. But besides the point, his plan A is another man fighting what he perceives to be a god. Not a great plan. I mean, he's like, hey, this is a guy who's fought a crocodile. I bet he can take... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the alien <laughs> well well like it well like it also comes like i said it comes from his, his uh philosophy and everything it's like he wants man to overcome human i mean man to overcome god so it's like hey the best like he perceives batman as the best physical man on the planet so it's like yeah get him to get him to do it all he needs is the correct weapon and I feel like that comes apart writing-wise because you don't have really any interaction between Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor, except for that one time at the charity event. So there's nothing there that makes you think that Lex Luthor actually does... I don't think he would respect Batman, but he would know, like, oh, this guy, I'm not going to fuck with him there. Like, he knows what he's doing. There's nothing yeah. to me that goes like, oh, he's up to the task. It just seems like we have to get these two to fight each other. And for some reason, Lex Luthor's plan is, well, Batman could probably kill him. I don't know. I could have come up with something better. Oh, I am coming up with something better. But I'm going to wait until after it doesn't work. Well, he also has to wait for it to finish. So it's, yeah. like, it's not, like, not like it was created in a day. But my point but, is, shouldn't that have been plan A? 
Yes, yeah, so like why even worry with this Batman versus Superman shit? Just do Doomsday. Batman probably wouldn't help Superman in that case. He doesn't like the guy, so I, it just—it's very convoluted how he wants Batman to kill Superman or Superman to kill Batman, one or the other, which, which will okay discredit him to the people and all that stuff. Yeah, and then Doomsday kills the other. When you could have just had Doomsday kill both. My problem isn't that because it's like it's whole, it's Lex's whole. I'm gonna do this as philosophically as I can because I'm so super smart and I want to prove myself right, shtick and everything. That is that is just like it feels Lex Luthery, but it also feels like it's not totally Lex Luthery if I'm being honest. But my problem is it should never have been Doomsday. Like Doomsday is supposed to be like like Doomsday is not supposed to be like Zod in a tube and everything. That felt more like uh, Bizarro, and it will never be not Bizarro to me, especially when they got him doing heat vision and everything. It's like, yeah, it's it's a freaking Bizarro. We're about to get to Doomsday, so don't worry there. Tristan, do you have anything about what Drew and I are kind of complaining about here? I think y'all are just fucking haters who have no taste, personally. We but, are kind of haters. You know, aside from that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I I like I said, I've been defending this movie for better part of a yeah. decade i like i said lex. you have to defend it one last I know, time but I'm just i like lex i his plan you know it doesn't fall apart at the end with like what so what was the plan once doomsday killed superman yeah i don't, I don't know why did he think could, batman could, could he do control it control doomsday i never got no that. he I couldn't because doomsday immediately tries to kill him and superman saves him that is probably the most lex Luthor thing though a little bit right out of this whole movie um <laughs> I mean, the idea of like, okay, well, well, Batman's like the most a man could be, you know, maybe if he kills Superman, it's a triumph over, you know, the alien. Sure. Whatever. I, I, I don't know. I didn't look too deep into it past. Okay. As soon as I saw the trailer and as soon as they did, the, not even the trailer, they did the casting. I'm like, oh, Lex Luthor's going to be in this. I said to my mother, mom, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. Lex is going to manipulate Batman and Superman into fighting. And then they're going to realize they're not the real bad guys and they're going to team up. That's it. So when that was delivered to me, I did not look too deeply into it. I, so it is classic. why is, is yeah. Lex manipulating Batman? I don't fucking know. Just because he wanted to kill Superman because the plot demanded it. Yes, shit, dude. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're you're basically right. Even like us complaining about it and us reaching for straws, and it just comes down to because the plot demanded it. Because as much as I do, like as much as I'm shitting on the movie here at points, and I've done this in the past with Zack Snyder movies, I really do like Zack Snyder's work. I just think that there are certain aspects of his movies that he struggles with, and that's the parts that. I just wish he'd either get better or get more help with. And uh, it's stuff like writing and stuff like the characters having emotional depth to them. And it's one of the biggest flaws of this movie. It's really both of those things. So moving on, though, after two hours of not just this podcast, basically, but of Batman vs. Superman Down on Justice, we get to the fight itself. We get to the actual Batman versus Superman. Do you have any thoughts on the fight? I thought it was pretty good. Good fight. All things considered. It's like it's pretty good. Like my only thing is like he never makes kryptonite bullets, which I think would have been way better than a spear. But he hey, Batman doesn't you know, use guns. Except for huh? the ones that are on his car and his plane. <laughs> I just love this movie because it feels like a comic book movie. It's like Batman literally grabs a sink and crashes it over Superman's head. It's awesome. <laughs> that shit was funny. <laughs> yeah, it was. 
by the way, at the very least, we got two awesome Batman suits out of this. Between the main Batflex suit and that fucking not armored suit from Dark Knight Returns. Dope as hell. Best yeah. Batman suit. Like, live action Batman suit up until. I feel like it's Batman. that or the Batman. Yeah. It's very close. The the reason why I can't give this solidly 100% number one now is because too bulky, like too much of a muscle suit. Mm-hmm. If it had just been a bit slimmer, more form fitted, because Ben Affleck, as we've seen, large as shit. Just give him a slimmer mm-hmm. suit. He doesn't need that much muscle suit because he's already yoked the hell out. You know? I really do feel bad for this movie not being as good as, you know, Zack Snyder would like it to be. And, Everybody involved really putting in great performances apart from possibly Jesse Eisenberg, depending on who you are. But Ben Affleck put so much work into getting in shape there. And it seemed like he, I think he mentioned he did it for his kids and all that stuff. And for the movie to get panned like it did. I think that's when, whenever we get to Zack Snyder's Justice League and we get that final scene where Martian Manhunter telling Bruce, like, your parents would have been proud. That felt like a perfect final scene for the Batfleck to be like you know what man you look nothing how you did in BVS because you've clearly lost a lot of that muscle <laughs> but you you get a lot of respect for playing the character the way you did and doing all the work you did to make the comics come to life basically and a lot of credit there to him now getting to the Martha scene here I'm kind of just dreading getting here <laughs> It's a good scene with a dumb inciting with a dumb incision. <laughs> it should have it should have been. I think you mentioned this, Taylor. I'm not sure. I can't remember, but it should have been like, "Please, Batman, save my mom, save Martha, whatever." Uh, That's what Tristan has said in the past. What I yes. said is, this is a fantastic scene on paper, and it makes a lot of sense. It's just in execution. It's one of the most poorly done scenes, and it's one of the biggest memes memory. on the internet still to this day. Why do I now, still get yes. stuff for the Martha? mean it, it's like it, it should be dead by now people just get over it but Bef- no before i throw this to tristan here's the one thing i will say in defense of this i again i think on paper this is a fantastic scene it shows oh bruce was about to go he was about to become joe chill on paper it makes a lot of sense he was about to commit a cold-blooded murder premeditated and everything and he gets the flashback to his parents getting killed. All fine. I think it would have been a little bit better if you had Ben Affleck as Joe Chill in that scene. Kind of further showcasing his mindset. And possibly doing something with Ben Affleck's Batman. Kind of going, what the fuck was I doing? Like, what have I done? Kind of thing. Instead, it kind of just feels like right after he saves Superman, he goes, oh shit. Alright, well I'm going to save your mom now. We're best friends. And it's weird. It's very weird, that face turn that he has. And with all that being said, on paper, I 100% love this scene. In execution, I fucking hate it. And I love the memes, though. Keep them coming. They're hilarious. Please stop the memes. So, Tristan. I'm so tired. Please. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. like the memes. I'm so tired. It's like, memes. <laughs> it's like stop the It's like, uh, before you go, Tristan, stop the memes. It's like, it, 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 it's, we've overran it. A month, like not even a month, a few weeks into the Martha scene first coming out, it's like please just get over, get over it. It's like Batman will always love his mom and everything. It's not as much as the memes are making out to be, and now people are thinking, oh, Batman will always like cave in if you say his mom's name. It's like no, that's not Batman. That's just Snyder. Tristan, you've talked about this before. We've talked about that. All three of us have in multiple episodes. This is your time to fully get your thoughts on this scene out. Go. 
I like what they're going for. <laughs> you know, I it's really hard to talk about. <laughs> I like the fact that they acknowledge that Batman and Superman's moms have the same name just a month after I said, "Hey, mom." Batman and Superman's moms are both named Martha. How come no one's ever mentioned this? You know, big. it was really personally gratifying for me. Um, you know, like I said, it's just, it's the same thing where like, oh, Superman talks to his fucking dead dad. Batman just loves crippling flashbacks about his dead parents. You spray him with some scarecrow grass. What's he saying? Oh, my parents are dead. He has a near-death experience. Oh, it's mommy and daddy and the great beyond. It's just, you know, it's just a constant thing. So when this happened, I didn't question it. I didn't chuckle. I mean, I wasn't like, I'm not one of those people out there writing, you know, fucking treatises on why this is one of the most moving moments in cinema. I'm like, that was kind of dumb, but, you know, it's Batman, like us. It's these are grown men running around in capes. It's all a little bit dumb, you know. I just told you about fucking Lex Luthor's clone son with an Australian accent that he made up just so he could get out of crime. Like it's all dumb. So I have a very low bar. Like, ah, it's just fucking stupid. It's yeah, great. He's sad about his parents. My my main thing is you know what you touched on earlier, where I mentioned before Superman immediately jumping to Martha instead of saying save my mom, save Martha. That just felt clunky. Um, Batman immediately yeah. jumping to being Superman's best friend. I'm like, you know what? It's not earned, but I just wanted to see Superman and Batman next to each other, and now they're teaming up. So that's good for me. Great. <laughs> like it, it. I like how we. I, I I like where we ended up. I'm just not. You know how we got there isn't necessarily the best way. Uh, we could have gone, but you know, shit. You know, somebody saved Martha. Moving on to Martha getting saved by Batman, we got one hell of a fucking action sequence with what I consider to be the closest adaptation of Arkham Asylum we've ever gotten. This is an Arkham fight scene, other than the murder, but maybe also the murder, considering some of those criminals you beat up in Arkham Asylum. Some of those special takedowns are are, uh, a bit much. They're a bit much. So, uh, I got nothing else to say. I love this fucking scene. It's fucking brutal in all the best ways. The blood splatter they add to it. I'm like, yeah, isn't this? Or you could have got away with it not being a murder uh, before that. But, God, it's so fucking cool. When he's, like, just pile-driving motherfucker. He's got a fist like a jackhammer, bro. He punches the dude in the head so hard that his head goes through the floor. Like, oh, just, it's dope. The part where he stabs somebody with a battering. Or no, it's a knife. It's the knife. That the knife that he too was just stabbed with. Yeah, and he just stares at him and is just, oh my god. This is like Ghost Rider looking into your soul. Yeah, then there's also like when he's hold when uh, Martha is held up uh with the flamethrower and he says, I'll do it. He says, I believe you, and he shoots the uh the tank and protects Martha <sighs> with a suit. It's like murder, not great, but that was a cool thing to say before he did it. Hey, you got you guys were fine with the blood splatter, so I just said I I didn't like the blood splatter. Don't put oh, yeah, that on me. I love a lot of the action scenes in this movie. I love I love this action scene. I despise that he kills a bunch of people in this scene. He only kills one per. Well, he kills three no. people. He kills three people. Those guys. In, those guys in the car. The uh, okay. Well, I would, I don't include the car. I w- I was thinking in the straight up hand to hand. Yeah, he blows up the dudes in the. Like, he blows up the people with the Batwing. But, like, in the actual if he's physical fight... Parademons? If he's shooting oh, yeah. parademons, I'm fine with that. Well, yeah, because parademons aren't really sentient. 
Yeah, but humans, come on. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. A lot of murder. But, you know, Michael <laughs> Keane Batman would have done the same. Drew, any further thoughts on the scene before we get into uh, just one very controversial ending? <laughs> nope. Let's get this over with. So the movie wraps up with Trinity versus Doomsday. Also, above all else, do you think marketing destroyed any goodwill this movie potentially had with audiences? Or was it doomed, no pun intended, already? I don't think it destroyed it. I do think it was I do think it was doomed when they made this ending. Yeah. Marketing didn't help, I'll say that. Marketing definitely didn't help. I think you could have at least got a few like, well, it was really cool. I was a surprise how Doomsday was here. Why is it doom why is it Doomsday? I can think of three different villains that you could have created that would have been better for this. It's like I know he upgrades I'm sorry to interrupt you. I know he upgrades too, but he looks like a ninja turtle <laughs> at the beginning. I can't get over it. Yeah, that that I also noticed that too. I try not to think about it too much. But I know it was just one of those things. While you were talking, I just started thinking about it again. I was like, I have to say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> as far as it goes, besides the the mostly credulous ending, I do love Wonder Woman coming in, kicking ass. Oh, that that's cool. Like we we talked about you? she gets. <laughs> I thought she was. I thought she was with you. It's like. <laughs> That that did confuse me, because it's like, why did you think she was with Soups? It's like, she's... Because it's a cool line to put in the trailers, okay? Okay, fine, whatever. Uh, but yeah, Wonder Woman makes this tolerable for me. And honestly, I will watch it over and over just to see, see her fighting. But her inclusion also kind of, in a way, ruins it, because Superman flying with that spear? Not needed. Give it to fucking Wonder Woman so she can stab the thing. Or just have her toss it. Like a fucking javelin. Or, yeah. in terms of the story that you wrote, wouldn't it be a far better thematically for Batman to redeem himself and kill Doomsday? Anybody other than the one guy who can't handle Kryptonite? Just saying. I would have preferred Alfred. <laughs> Alfred just comes <laughs> in like, out Al- of nowhere. Alfred shows up in a bat suit and he's like, and he's like I'll handle he's like, Leave it to me, Master Wayne. <laughs> No, Alfred's not in a bat suit, Drew. He's just in the awesome fucking suits he was already wearing. This comes out there, alright, let me handle this. Y'all are taking too fucking long. This is a three-hour movie. Just stabs Doomsday in the back. Calls it day. I mean, there's some cool parts about this fight, though. Like, Superman trying to take uh, Doomsday off to space. And seemingly, his plan looked to His be plan was solid. Clark was on it. He was right on the money. Once again, the U.S. government comes in and pulls some tomfoolery, and it just doesn't work out for anyone because they need to stay in well, their lane. Well, would it have worked? Superman because if had it's it technically Kryptonian, if it's technically Kryptonian, then putting him up in space would have put him near the sun. Wouldn't that have made him more powerful? He can't fly. Like, you just, here's how space works. He punches him. Nothing gets his way. That momentum just keeps him going away from Earth. Like, he would have just kept floating away. This being a comic book movie, he'd eventually come back. Yeah. But that wouldn't be for a long time. It would be a long time, and then by then Superman. he would have been, like, more prepared. Superman would have been more prepared to beat his ass. How do you guys feel about the ending of this movie, though, and the start of Bruce's redemption arc? It's a weird start. I'm glad he's on it, though, because it's like I, lo- it's like I like Ben Affleck as ba- I like Ben Affleck as Batman. I'd rather see what he's going to do as a, go- as a good man. I mean, men are than... still good, you know? That's what they say. Yeah, it's like, it's like, no need to keep killing, Bruce. I really hope you don't keep killing. 
Unless uh, it's parademons. Yeah, yeah par- parademons are fine. Go ham. Or it's like Court of Owl weird people. First step to recover is admitting you have a problem, and I guess he admitted that he murdered a whole bunch God, of people. So many people. But yeah, I also like as like Wonder Woman being at Clark's Clark's funeral and everything. Like, feels like something she would do even if she didn't know him, because she fought alongside him. Uh, but uh, yeah, like like I said, it's like it's a it's a good it's a good ending. It's just the Doomsday stuff kind of brings it down a little bit, and you know like. Superman doesn't need to be dead. Like there's so, like that plot hole. It's like he didn't need to do all that. Uh, actually, not plot hole. Uh, plot contrivance. Because there's no. It's like he, he plot contrivance. I'm just gonna leave it there. Uh, Tristan, I every time I watch the end of this movie, one specific part gets me, and that is the shot of Heroes Park where it's the the Superman memorial says, "If you seek his monument, look around you." Great, cool, cool quote great moment you know you look out the crowd and everyone's just very solemn face and then there's one young woman who was just fucking bawling like she fucking knew she's like this is gonna be my shot like i'm gonna fucking go for it she is in her fucking bag and my eyes just immediately drawn to her every time she's wearing a gray beanie uh a young east asian woman just sobbing must have be like 16 17 and she is just she's she's in her duffy and i respect that um but otherwise, I really, <laughs> I really like this uh, this final sequence. Goes on a bit long for my taste, because after this point, I'm like, all right, man, I just had that dope fight, which I don't think I talk about. I fucking love the fight. You know, Batman doesn't get to do anything, but that's why it should have been Metallo. Um, Could have, you know, thrown a bannering or something at him. Um, but no, the, the 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 final memorial, I think, is it's. It's a similar thing to what I said of, I like where we ended. It just not crazy about how we got here. I don't like that Superman's dead, but this whole sequence does a good job of seeing, of showing what Superman means to people. It's just, that's not something you see much of throughout the rest of the movie. It's like, oh, Superman's dead. Now we all care about him. And that's something we talked about earlier. Um, That being said, I agree, buddy. But at the same time, I think that's a very hollow thing. Because throughout the whole movie, this is a three-hour movie. Yes. And they do really nothing, I think. They show a bunch of news clips of, hey, here's how people are perceiving Superman. Here's how uh, this court hearing's going and all this stuff. And we're going to keep Superman in check. But how do people how show like a family of like a kid seeing Superman, loving Superman, and how the course of this movie is affecting him? And his perception of Superman shows something the audience can get latched onto. You know what I mean? To whereas the end of the movie comes and we see how Superman's death has now affected that family. Yeah. Or how it has affected the general public and not just news clips. Because the problem is, is the beginning of this movie goes, Superman needs to be held in check. We fucking hate this guy. He's so He's like, this guy sucks. And you're like, what? Why? And at the end, it's just universal. Like, oh my God, hell up Superman. And the baseline logic like I think that? Zack Snyder I went for is because Zack Snyder was going for I hate to bring it up again, but I think this is what it is. It is the allegory that he was going, we're going to just make him a Jesus figure. Which, that's not enough, I think, to do what you were doing. You can't just throw that out there and be like, oh, everybody loves him now. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it's yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. Like I said, I like how at the end it's, oh, we care about Superman, but it's, they just did not do anything to you know, build that out or work up to that, really. 
It kind of feels like the equivalent of those social media people who who will like bash on someone and then when they find out like they either didn't do it or they died and they were innocent or whatever, they'll be like, I was always on their side the whole time. It it feels fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feels forced. Unearned is the word. Yes. Cool, but unearned. I would 100% agree with those sentiments. But let's go ahead and get into our final pros and cons and our final thoughts. We didn't really talk about the scene where Wonder Woman just checks out a bunch of. We're saving that for the after credits. For, well, are we doing that? For <laughs> oh, no, I was just being sarcastic. Because well, it felt like well, an, uh, an after credit scene right in the middle now. of the movie. Well, I was going to say do yeah. that with our final pros and cons and final thoughts. So just include that into your final thoughts, I guess, since the movie kind of just tacked that on. We might as well do that ourselves. So, Drew, give us your final pros and cons for BVS, Dawn of Justice, Ultimate Edition, along with your final thoughts, and I guess that tacked on scene with all the other Justice League members, with their own emblems, by the way. Good job for Lex Luthor. Great graphic designer. Oh, big, you know he had the, the LexCorp art division all on that shit. Yeah, it's like, okay, guys, we're gonna... It's like, Batman's going to see this. We need to know... We need to show him that we know how to do this well. I might be doing a merger with him. It's like, Bruce time. Wayne's not the only one who knows branding. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... I like the scene as far as it goes for, like, being just blatant commercials for the next... For upcoming characters and next movies and stuff. Uh... Really want to know how we got a hold of cyborgs feels weird it's like it's one of those things that bothered me it's like how did silas let that get out it's like he didn't even let anyone know he was working on with it working on it so it's like whatever it's a nitpick anyway uh it's like it's like i like the flash just his being one second of got of him being in him being in frame and pushing a guy it's like i like that uh aquaman uh Small little plot hole. He has his mother's trident when he wasn't supposed to have it before. Uh, but it's like, don't care. Jason Momoa looked freaking cool. Uh, yeah, but his is the most random. Also, yeah, it's like he was just <laughs> he was just in an underwater cave, and they were just like they just got video of him. This feels a bit weird. Uh, yeah, and cyborgs was pretty cool too. So, uh. Oh, I didn't notice that my first watching of the Ultimate Edition, but you can see his legs and arms forming uh, before mm-hmm. Silas cuts it off. So that that was... Uh, I didn't notice that until my second time watching it. I think this is like my fifth time watching the Ultimate Edition. But that's pretty cool. Yeah, but as far as full-on pros and cons, uh, cons, Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor. Look, it's not his fault. He's He does, he does a pretty good job. I just can't see him as Lex. And even if you just say he's Lex Luthor Jr., it doesn't matter. He's supposed to be the Lex Luthor to the Superman. So he's still going to be counted as Lex Luthor. The flash scene always is still something that bothers me because one, Bruce gets a vision of the future. Then the flash comes in. Feels like it feels like that's out of order. Also, like, I still get weirded out about Bruce getting visions of the future. Yeah, that's one of the things we don't need this movie. Could have done without the nightmare sequence. Just That's the 30 minutes you yeah. could have cut. The Nightmare sequence doesn't need to happen. We already know that Bruce dislikes Superman. We don't need to give him an extra reason to. Well, not only that, because I I get you're trying to sell an overarching story. I appreciate that he was proactive in going, we need to make a Justice League level threat. We need to hurry up and get to our Justice League and catch up to what Marvel's doing. Really like that. I like the thought process of thinking ahead. I always appreciate that from writers. 
However, in a movie that has all sorts of stuff going, and when I say all sorts of stuff, I mean we got so many characters, we got so many storylines, we got so many plans, we got tomfoolery all about, we got a hidden villain that's not so hidden, have you seen the trailer? And they want to throw in a nightmare sequence that just confuses the fuck out of everybody. <laughs> I mean, you can't really hear what the Flash says, by the way. Yeah. Depending on where you were, what theater you had. Some people could not understand. Like, I was in a theater to where the people in front of me, after that Flash scene happened, went, what What? What do you say? And I that's not heard, what you want from I originally heard him say, I, I originally heard him say, Hey, get the spoon! And I was like, what is he talking about? Is there going to be a get spoon? It's like, is there, is there going to be a spoon? Is this a tick reference? It's like, what is going on? But yeah, that, that's... I appreciate Zack Snyder being proactive in that, but this is not the movie to include. Here's what we're going to be doing for Justice League. But I, t- I take your criticism and I raise you this. What about when you say Steppenwolf for a second? See, that Still I can be fine... See, see that I could have been fine with, except why did the Kryptonians have information on Steppenwolf? Why didn't Lex Luthor, after the Doomsday thing, go, I'm just going to go fuck around and get into the Kryptonian bloodbath thing? Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure he has space he has space aids or, like, something. That doesn't seem healthy. That's a sentence. <laughs> um, <laughs> didn't expect that today. Pros. Ben Affleck. As Batman, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, and Henry Cavill as Superman. I liked uh, the missing information that we needed to make this plot whole. And I guess I just like the chemistry between the Trinity. Tristan, final pros, cons, final thoughts, and your thoughts on that whole tacked on Justice League. Tell you what, when I saw the tacked on thing in the theater, I wasn't thinking about how tacked on it was. I was just really excited. It was like, oh, look at that. The Justice League's coming. Could have used a Green Lantern, but, you know, can't, uh... At some how point, at some point I gotta get over if that. there was a Green Lantern emblem there? No. But then they just never clicked on it. No, it's just... <laughs> I, honestly, I would have taken that. You know, just some acknowledgement. Uh, but no, pros. I mean, I love the cast. This, well, actually, well, actually, before you move on, uh, uh-huh. which Green Lantern would you have? Wa- would you have won? Hal Jordan. I always want Hal Jordan. If we're gonna, if you're gonna start with fucking Barry, like if they're just doing the new Fifty Two Justice League, start with Hal Jordan. Yeah. Okay. I kind of want Kyle Rayner, but Barry works too. Uh, well, if you're, I mean, if they're doing, I mean, not Barry. <laughs> if you're doing Kyle <laughs> Rayner, then it should be with Wally West. I don't like when they mix and match the. It's that's a different conversation. Uh, pros, I like the cast. This movie was a dream fulfillment for me. I just wanted to see Superman and Batman next to each other, and that, it made me happy. Um, you know, it felt like a, a comic book come to life, and I mean that in good and bad ways. Uh, makes about as much sense as a lot of comics, but it looked about as cool as a lot of fucking comics. Um, cons, yeah, some things don't make sense. And some things, it's like, you know what? Just don't worry about it too much. But, that doesn't really bother me, honestly. Like that's I I like this movie. People don't like this movie. That's fine. You're the fan on this panel. It's a damn. I am the fan on this panel. It's a damn good movie, to me, and to a lot of other people. But if it's a good movie to you, don't go out there and be a dick about it online. Like oh, restore the Snyderverse. Sell the Snyderverse to Netflix. Get over that shit. It's dead. It's done. I'm sad. At well, I don't know if I'm sad. It's dead because I don't like where, you know. I didn't like some of the choices, but I enjoyed the movie. You know, they let the train out of the station, so let it get to the to its destination. 
Um, but we're, we're done. The Snyderverse is dead. Bury it. I'm sorry it had to be this way. I wish it hadn't. I wish they'd, it had worked out, but it didn't. So let's just move on. As for me, I do think it's a tacked on thing there with just showing them. I don't think it's necessarily needed. I know you're just doing some Justice League groundwork there, but it kind of goes with what we talked about back in the prelude, right? Like BVS was the thing. It was the catalyst that brought us to where we are today, to where DC has tried and tried again and made almost every conceivably wrong decision to bring them to now what appears to be a reset of some sort. How much of a reset? Who's to say? Who knows? Well, who knows what happens with the Flash movie, all that stuff. But again, I think it just all stems from this and just trying to do too much. And just not really clicking with a coherent story. In terms of pros, Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot. Ben Affleck being at the top of the list there because he was crushed for how... When he got casted, everybody was like, he's going to be fucking awful. Ends up being arguably the best part of the movie. I think he is the best part of the movie. There's a lot of really cool stuff in here. I love a lot of the action sequences, particularly the one at the end with Batman. is awesome. There's a lot of interesting Superman stuff here in terms of the public, how they perceive him, what his role is and all of that. But at the same time, I think giving him that unsureness, the uncertainty in his character kind of fucks up the movie a little bit because of how much is actually going on. Wonder Woman, amazing in this movie. A lot of other really cool stuff here. I'm really glad that the Ultimate Edition also ties up all the story bits. The theatrical version didn't, <laughs> to put it bluntly. In terms of cons, don't really care for Lex Luthor in this movie. Jesse Eisenberg, I think, was miscast. Um, uh, there's a lot of stuff that I still don't care for that were decisions made in the movie. For instance, the murder. The murder is definitely number one. Too much murder. Too much murder for me, for my liking. If this was a Red Hood movie, a Punisher movie, a MCU movie, 100%. It, you know what? Sure. People don't question Iron Man killing in Iron Man 3. The reason why is because there's not a one rule and Iron Man doesn't have a fucking Joker sitting in Arkham Asylum. Batman does, and it just it brings up all these questions that you don't want to answer in movie two. They killed off Superman, which is just kind of stupid, even in hindsight of what we got. And as a final con, I do want to mention just DC in general. DC just completely went, oh no, we got no, well, Warner Brothers. True, Warner Brothers. Uh, Thank you for threatening me there. Because Warner Brothers got some pushback here. And then Suicide Squad happened. And that completely, completely shit the bed. That is a good Suicide Squad went, happened, yes. That's a good And way to they it. went, we're going in the complete opposite direction. Zack Snyder fixed this. And it still kind of aggravates me, everything that went on with how they treated Zack Snyder. How they treated Ray Fisher. And everything that happened post then. And we're still seeing ramifications from that Justice League movie to this day. And so the con is is just everything behind the scenes at Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, stop messing with stop messing with your directors and stop messing with the movies. Just let them come out with something. Let James Gunn and Peter Safran do their job. It's what you hired them to do. If you hired them, you mean you think that they can do their job well. All right. Whatever they decide to do, actually back them. 
So, I mean, that's probably my final thoughts on it, though. It is a very interesting movie overall. I'll say that. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Better than Civil War, some people have said. It's still close. I don't know which one I like more. <laughs> they both like, have very similar issues. <laughs> as a person who likes bo- who likes both Marvel and DC, I like Civil War better because it's more it's a more completed narrative for me. And the battle between Tony and Cap feels like it was more it it was more you could see this co- you could see this coming and built up for longer, whereas Batman v Superman does feel like it's jumped into. You know, well here's the thing about that, Drew. I saw the fight coming because it's titled Batman v Superman. <laughs> so some could say it had been built up to since they announced the title of the film. I got one last con. I wanted to end it on everything behind the scenes of Warner Brothers, but I actually forgot to mention this. Down uh, Back at the beginning, I mentioned something about, like one of the worst scenes I've ever seen Henry Cavill in. The scene where he meets Batman for the fight and the delivery Henry Cavill gets yeah, of like, Bruce, yeah. it's awful. And it's awful with a capital A. It's just like, what? I mean, you couldn't have done another take? Nah. Nailed it. <laughs> Zack Snyder pretty much went, nah, that's good, man. Well, that's good. We gotta go fight, you know, Doomsday for 45 minutes. It's like, it's, it gives me the cardinal sin of, if you would just shut up and say what the problem is, you wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> Let's get out of here, though. Let's talk about what we're working on and where can people find us. Tristan, what you working on? Where can people find us? I'm still just pumping out bangers over at uh screen rent you know new year same standard of excellence that i'm trying to uphold and succeeding dare i say as for the socials you can find me on instagram tiktok and twitter at back issue bins drew you can also find me on the socials at drew garrison underscore you can find me on twitter and instagram so check me out if you enjoyed this podcast in the slightest if you somehow gotten this far by the way appreciate you but you might also want to join our discord to talk with us about your thoughts on man of steel batman versus uh, superman dawn of justice the ultimate edition because why would you ever talk about the theatrical version and just the dceu as we are going through our dceu memorial tour our remembrance of what was a flawed but noteworthy cinematic universe it definitely left its mark. It didn't pull a monsters universe with the mummy and just dying out immediately. So credit to the DCU there. So if you did enjoy this episode, if you want to get your thoughts out on that or any movie and TV news going around the industry or any movies that you're watching that you would like for us to cover, join our discord chat with us. We'd love to hear from you. Also, consider leaving us a rating. It would be tremendous if it was a positive one. Next up for Nerds Talk Movies, we are continuing our DCEU Memorial Tour by, God, so sorry, by doing a retrospective on Suicide Squad 2016. We'll see you next week. If we survive long enough. Oh my God, it's such a bad movie. I don't want to watch it. <laughs>